The Dude Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Dude Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, I'm still gutted I'm no in Vegas, and he's fed up homeschooling. Our thanks to Andy Gray for being our guest last week, telling us about his career at United and beyond. And don't forget, join our conversation on our socials if you're not following already. We are at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you can and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Coming up on this week's episode, your 2010 memories, COVID-19 Statement League table, shite 11, on this day with the Arab Archive, and no, it's not a dream. Our guests this week are Callum Butcher, Mark Connolly, Mark Reynolds, and Sir Lawrence Shankland. It's all coming up on episode 47 of the Dode Fox Podcast. Hi, I'm Paul Dixon. Welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the Dode Fox Podcast. It is not a dream. We are not making it up. This is the stacked show that we have got for episode 47. Wow. It's a wee bit, it is a wee bit of a dream. <laughs> for two for two donuts like us, it is a wee bit of a dream. So yes, uh, we are joined today by uh, Callum Butcher, Mark Conley, Mark Reynolds and Sir Lawrence Shankland. You'll hear our chat with them. Uh, strap in, it's an epic. Get the kettle on. Go for a nap. Pack a lunch. Get another cup of coffee and it'll be fine. Uh, so that is coming up. It's very exciting for, for us, certainly, uh, for them to come on and, and, and chat. A lot of topics. You'll hear lots of different things. You'll hear homeschooling. Uh, you'll hear about fat strikers and diets of said strikers. Yes. Uh, you'll you hear a lot of really rotten people climbing trees. Uh, you'll hear about Dylan Powers' bits <laughs> yes it's, it, honestly you'll hear it all it's all coming up it's going to be fun uh, to start things off of course the back end of uh, of the week was 10 years to the day of that famous day in 2010 and we thought instead of, uh, to do something a little bit different because we spoke about that day quite a lot and hey why wouldn't we great day mm-hmm. as we're looking for your 2010 memories but more importantly the feeling you had at full time and thank you very much to everyone who did uh, tell us what they were feeling do you remember what you were feeling Paul when the full time whistle went <clears throat> just happy just uh, I was obviously when when the full time whistle goes in that particular game we were 3-0 up anyway so it was kind of everybody knew it was kind of over before the full time whistle went but as soon as it went you just wanted to Hug all your mates, hug all the strangers, hug anybody wearing tangerine, just see the team with a cup, do the lap of honour, and then once that was done, you just wanted to get him so you can get on the lash. Is that what you done? Yes, because I drove through on my own. Uh, met up with the Cundies boys, as I've said a few times, uh, went to the, the shed pre-match, had a sneaky beer, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was choking to get back home and then get out on it, which I did for about two days. Uh, it was good. It's good fun. So uh, we put this out on uh, Friday at 10 o'clock and just asked, you know, happy 15th of May. How did you feel when the full-time whistle went? Uh, I think we've used an image that just is, apart from, you mean, Goody's lob and the, the top and everything, but Craig Conway wheeling away after the goal is just... Beautiful. It's iconic. Yeah. Yeah, certainly for us. So thanks very much to everyone who did get in touch. Colin... 
UFC. He was on top of the world. Uh, Bruce said, very different sensation to most finals as we knew we were going to win it with about 10 minutes to go. Still epic though. Uh, DJ Haggis felt great and then realised sitting at home in Florida, tough life. No one else gave a shit. Still had an early day whiskey though. Uh, John Lindsay said had done the jumping up and down part when the third went in couldn't properly enjoy it until then the final whistle was just letting it sink in alongside a very good mate first time seeing United win a trophy in person and it was amazing Uh, Jimbo says felt so happy that I could share the victory with my son he was there in 1994 but was only seven so I couldn't take him for a drink made up for that that night in Danny Swanson's old man's pub though good uh steven obviously delighted but i was in nyc at the time one of my favorite places in the entire world but all i wanted to, was to be at hamden yeah i get uh, that keith he was relieved happy and ready for a massive sesh uh walter rojas supporters club i.e the arab Macam, i.e riley uh absolutely amazing but not on the same level as 94 that just can't be topped I think if you're obviously if you're an age, mm-hmm. it will never be topped. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for others it was like, thank Christ, it's finally back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lipsy says, out of breath running Asda to get a carry out for the bus him. And Andrew, One team in Asda. our buddy uh, Andrew bumped in. Oh, the Asda was magnificent. The Asda does that mean the administration as well? The Asda. They might, they, they might have previously been Asda before they they came back. Uh, Who knows? After the game was weird because I'd gone mental at 1-0 and 2-0, so come full time, I had the metaphorical cigars out. I was just soaking it in. Can't even mind when I left Hamden. (laughs) Doesn't remember leaving the casino that night either. Uh, Sutherland Arab, just a thoroughly enjoyable day. Uh, As a straightforward, straightforward, a cup final win, as you can get, got to really take it in. Arbroath Arab, totally agree. As soon as we went 1-0 up in the semi-final, I felt the cup was won. Uh, made the final a better day uh, day out, knowing the win was guaranteed. Uh, Udi Arab, opposite of that, relieved. Mm. You know? Because uh, we'd seen that movie before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, emotionally drained. The fear of losing that final kept me awake on the Friday night. By half two, I was that drunk. Fear turned to excitement. Then the lads went out and delivered big time. Another day slash night like this. Is all we ask for as fans. Can't wait until the next time. He must have gave up that day at the Edinburgh Cup final. Possibly, possibly, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg Hill, magnificent day from start to finish. Next day, seeing the trophy at Tandice was superb as well. That's when Swanson and Goody had taps off. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm Cootie, behind the goal, listening to the whole crowd in good voice. Fantastic. Great to be able to relax after number two compared to 94, which was an absolute mare for 40 minutes. Aye, it was. Uh, on. Fraser Logan, mixed feelings for me. Delighted for the win, but sad I couldn't make the match due to business commitments over here. He's over in the in the US. Uh, Steve Gillespie, my wee Mark, God rest her, came into Fruits at night to rescue my laddie. Two minutes later, she had an Arab scarf, a new bonnet, a seat in the corner, enjoy the singing. Special memories <laughs> of that day. Steve, thanks for the photo as well. It's brilliant. Uh, Scott McKenzie trying to take everything in from lifting the cup lap it on and all in between uh, John Wallace absolutely fucking fantastic perfect day okay we can people that out but that's that's nice uh, Ali Stewart cried <laughs> same as happened after each goal went in then told myself to drink it in because it may never happen again meant so much so mo- much more because of what happened in the 2008 League Cup final yeah 
Mm. Lindsay says in agony after a random boy jumped on me when Conway scored the third goal and we went tumbling down the stairs together ended up black and blue from head to toe and didn't give a damn that's the Lindsay that I know and love uh, Scott Bruce says annoyed because all of my Dundee support mates uh, wouldn't answer their phones and went offline didn't see or hear from them for about two weeks in, in defence of his mates though they were in their bed so you know they probably put it on mate or put it off <laughs> Uh, Angle Arab still get goosebumps when Comey rolls away in the second. What a day. Pretty sure the D were in their beds that day. Uh, Rachel McKinnon, real tears happened. Uh, Lewis Scarra was singing in the rain in Sorrento on my honeymoon. Jeez. Wife just went uh, went and uh, read a book the whole game. Ex-wife, surely. Uh, one old jam. Uh, weird. Talked all the way to Hamden about a night in the ferry if we did it. Got home drained. Swift Pino bed. <laughs> a wee pino. Uh, Kenny says not ashamed to admit we were in tears at full time what a day out shared with friends in the old man the scenes at church on the hill before the game will hopefully stay with me forever David Good it was just so enjoyable because when Conway notched the second the cup was won so the party was well underway long before the final whistle <laughs> Derry Pigeon shite <laughs> I wonder who he's about 10 out of 10 for effort and getting involved by the way <laughs> absolutely brilliant uh, uh, Kenny Campbell as it was us at Hamden till the third went and you always had a wee doubt the team deserved it for playing some great stuff a mixture of joy and relief um, Jonathan stood in shock mostly looked at the crowd saw every emotion happening it was an amazing feeling uh, Ewan fucking magic <laughs> Uh, Barry has uh, thrown silverback Arabs under the bus mm -hmm. because silverback Arabs felt the door of the toilet cubicle on his forehead oh <laughs> must have been the drunkest man in Hamden then uh, and Jane says I can remember singing there's only one team in Asda when they shut the doors and wouldn't let MD in I remember the uh, the, uh, the shitty game against Celtic the cup game when uh, Sean Dillon went off injured with a head knock for about three years Yep. And uh, I remember leaving that when I think the second goal went and went to Tesco's to drown our sorrows. And that is arguably one of the drunkest times of my life. Mm -hmm. It was horrific. Absolutely horrific. Uh, George Fraser, after all the finals I've been to, this was somewhat bittersweet seeing as I had missed 94 due to a clash with my wedding. That's unacceptable. Alan Clark felt absolutely fantastic. Got pissed with the family and mates for the rest of the weekend. Great day. Uh, Peter Bogue it was such a change to be able to enjoy the last minutes of a cup final knowing the job was done uh, final whistle was party time until we realised my mate's nine year old son had disappeared turned out he had legged it down the front to try and get on the pitch wonder how long it took to realise he disappeared a while I would think probably Sunday yeah. morning <laughs> uh, Ricky says the songs to see a tangerine and goodies opener uh, memories that will last a lifetime Greg Monroe unlike others who've posted I couldn't enjoy the game fully until the third goal one of the boys started celebrating when Celtic got knocked out but that just made me more nervous the final goal and the final whistle though amazing Helen God I can't explain how I felt just to overcome my excitement and Neil Clark very relaxed as it was in the bag being able to take it in for the majority of the second half was something else amazing if we start to finish uh, Kev Clark's got we were heading to the pub and there's a picture of him with Ivan oh, which is nice. very nice uh, was ecstatic Kenneth, Kenny was proud Alexander got pissed uh, Joe Brody uh, who uh, does the voice to this it's him that says the Dude Fox podcast he nice. was ecstatic the image of Conway 
or as I used to call him, the young Eamon Bannon, is going to be as iconic as Ralph is after his chip six minutes into the half. I tell you what, it's something like that that you remember. Generation, because you look. Well, you look at Brewster's tapping. Mm-hmm. It's iconic for that moment, and yeah. so will probably that celebration or uh, Goody with the top or 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 whatever else. And uh, just one more. Andy King says, we're still nervous at 2-0, but as soon as the third went in, I was able to enjoy the rest. Yeah. Absolute truth. Absolute I, I, was fairly, I was fairly... I can remember watching the the Celtic semi-final was the day before ours, and I can remember thinking, when they got beat, we're going to win this now. Mm-hmm. But then obviously, you start shiting it the closer it gets to the, to the game, thinking, as United here, we could absolutely blow this. But I wasn't I wasn't overly nervous to be to be totally honest. It was uh, it was just a good day. You know what? The day was everything that 2014 wasn't. It was the complete opposite. It was just from start to finish. It was a great day, as opposed to what went on at, uh, at Parkhead that day in 2014. But we'll not touch on that too much longer. The 2000 uh, the biggest the biggest regret I've got about 2010 is no being there. You know that's mm. that's my the biggest regret because at the time, it was uh, I remember it being being it was pretty shitty because I remember like not having much money I wasn't really working much at the time it was a I'd left a job didn't really have a new job at the time it was horrible and uh, I was working that night I was DJing at something but it was starting at like seven o'clock so it made it kind of impossible but I remember watching it in the house with a Celtic supporting mate but even he was like boys were brilliant today and I, I remember and he was you know he knew I was in a bit not a mood but I was just gutted I was gutted that I, hadn't, I wasn't there course. and the way it was happening and uh, I just remember him going and just saying a joke about it and you know what it's like when you're rubbing your mates and I was like oh, we didn't want to win it this year and you're like can okay, what's well, any of these wee things it just made you swell a wee bit longer but that that was for me was was devastating absolutely devastating it, yeah. you know the next day standing in the city square was cool it was great to see but it was just so like I was in all there yesterday. But even watching her back the other day, uh, Friday, I think it was on. Yeah. It was just great. Great game. Well in control. Thoroughly deserved. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think uh, Dusan maybe had one save and that was about it. Probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah, but at the, time, at the time, you're a wee bit more nervous when you're actually there at the game. But again, a lot of the, a lot of the nervousness following United comes from past indiscretions. Like, <laughs> you've been here, you've seen it, you've... You've saw howlers gifted to the opposition, and uh, you're, you're not actually basing it on what you're watching there and then in that moment. But uh, hey, it's in the history books. That cup was ours that year. Yeah, and thank you very much to everyone who did uh, get in touch and uh, have been sharing pictures back from the the, the dinner and whatever. And in, in January, it was amazing. So thanks to everyone who got in touch for that one. Um, one thing I do want to mention, uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, there is a COVID statement leak table. That uh, basically, since we uh, Scottish football swapped the pitch for the boardroom, and I mm-hmm. turned this on Twitter on Saturday, I think it was. There's basically a league table, and they've done it. Uh, whoever's made it up is in statement order, right? And they've always put word counts as well. And I just wanted to mention it purely for the banter. Uh, so the 16 teams are right. I was surprised. Still in Albion, have released eight statements. Not seen one of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Livingston have released eight as well. They're 15th. Air United, Forfar, Dundee and Falkirk have all released nine. Okay. Uh, we have released 10. We are in 10th position. Of what? In statements, yeah. We think about it. Malbranga went. 
Uh, what else has oh, happened? Right. So, so it's not necessarily no, no, related just, to no, any no. particular it's just how many have come out. No, no, you, you, you still know who's top. Don't worry, we'll oh. get there. <laughs> well, they've got to win something, do they? So, so Dundee are in 10th. Uh, Dundee United are in 10th uh, with uh, 10 statements. Nine, Aberdeen with 11. St. Johnston 8th with 12. There's a tie on uh, with 13 for St. Mirren and Partick. Dumbarton, Clyde and Hearts all on 15 along with the SPFL and who's just taken the top spot with 16 the Rangers the Rangers uh, um, there. <sighs> yeah not massive fan of the old uh, statements uh, but uh, did you give up on your usual Saturday ritual yesterday uh, yeah because the Bundesliga was on so I was I was watching a wee bit of that and I was trying to listen but you know what it's just the same thing over and over so I listened to it uh, this morning when I was out on my run Sunday morning uh, on my walk sorry Sunday morning but uh, it's just we're just regurgitating the same nonsense like a wee bit of like me and you're on but don't tell anybody there's no notice yet <laughs> but uh, yeah like we're still I don't think we're any further forward but the, the, the league's still not been called the Seemingly Hearts have now come up with another plan for <laughs> reconstruction. You couldn't have made this up. It's unbelievable. Like again, we've probably got loads of time to play with because who knows when football will get back to getting played. But uh, Jesus Christ, well, I'm a half dragon, that's it. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a it's same a old. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, and hopefully it's something that, you know, can be... I think we thought last week it might have got done. You know, after the yep. whole vote collapse, but you never 100%, know. Hundred percent, yeah. Hopefully, it's no far. Hey, if they want to play it out, play it out. Does affect us? You know what I mean, I know. But on touching on your point though of the statements, if it had just been statements relating to like the, the issue in the league, I don't think United have said anything. No, no. I don't think we've said a thing, no, and that's it, fine. It's just purely statements we've, that have been. Yeah, we've 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 nothing to say. No, <laughs> when it comes to that, because we we've achieved our objective we're going to be in the top league next season whenever the hell it gets started mm-hmm. but uh, some of the teams statement after statement after statement and it just none of it's clear to me no uh, finger pointing one thing that I have had a chuckle at this week is uh, the Twitter site or page or whatever at shite SPFL who <laughs> for something a little bit different this week I've been doing uh, shite 11s and uh, I was hoping they would select United's one by uh, by now, by recording time. And you know what? They have. Helped us out. So, there, there's some... On the whole, right, you'll agree with the players and say, oh, you could add in so-and-so. I get that, right? But I just want to read this to you. And if there's anyone stands out, you think, oh, that's a bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's hard to just pick a living given what we've witnessed over years and whatever, right? So I'm going to read this to you. If anyone <clears throat> hasn't seen this, like I say, there's loads of them. They've just done Dundee's one. Uh, Aberdeen have been done and whatever. They're, they're working through them. Uh, and oh, wait to see Dundee's. Jeezy peeps. Uh, what to choose for <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Players on there I hadn't even heard, though. That's how bad it was. <laughs> so Dundee United shite 11, right? Mm-hmm. According to at shite SPFL, we're playing a 4-3-3. We, we never play a 4-3-3, but that's fine. So, in the goal is E.G. Kawashima. Right. that Straight away, that's harsh, I think. He's not the best, but when you're 42 years old like I am, I've seen a lot worse. 
Lansky, Gillam O'Hanlon, to name just two. Yeah. But can continue on, Ron. So the back four, left back, Gregory Vignal. Okay. Did he ever play for us? I don't think he did. No, because he, he came with good pedigree, but he, I'm pretty sure he never played. Oh, he'd been at... Uh, he'd been at... He was at, he was at the Rangers. Yeah, uh, and he'd been and at... And he was down, down south, was he not? Um, never played. No. You can't really include that's, him if he's not played. No, I think that's pretty harsh, like. Yeah, so... Uh, he's in there. Uh, the defensive... The centre defenders are Cole Donaldson and Mark Dunnan. I don't know, I can. I don't know, I can. I never ever thought I would be sat here defending either of them. Listen, but, uh, listen, listen. You could swap them out, but they deserve to be in a list, a squad at least. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they were. They'll. Yeah, they've made the match day squad. I, I'm wanting you to pick out a name and go. That's really harsh. So Vignal, because he's never played, I think's harsh. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's fair. This. Right back, I've got an issue with. Mm-hmm. Guy Damel. Nah, he wasn't a right back. There's also that, but he was a right winger when he was at Tannadice. <laughs> <laughs> he loved punching Nicky Low. Uh, <laughs> but I I think that's harsh. I thought he was okay. Okay. But yeah. there's, there's been worse. Been worse. Yeah, yeah. Do you want a John. do you want a midfield three and see how these guys would play? Yeah. Obviously. The English uh, Pogba's in there and Adam Barton. Has to be. He is as beside him in midfield in the the holding role is Watu Kuate. And in front of them, <laughs> no shock, Rodney Schneider. Oh, he had to be in it, yeah, definitely. He had to be in it. So there's your midfield three. You you having a bit of issue with Watu being in there? Well, uh, 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 yeah. I don't think he was. He was certainly not anywhere nearly as good as he thought he was. But I wouldn't have thought he was up there with the worst that we've had in there. Do you want a front three? I do. I'm choking for it. Darko Badul. <sighs> okay. Riku Risky. Well, yeah. And you know who's the last man, don't you? I don't. Emil Ling. <laughs> How could I forget him? Uh, well, did you not say that Darko on FIFA is absolutely class? It's not badly. He's got, I think he's got five star skill. That doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> no, I know. He, he just uh, means I can keep the bar in the corner. About it. No, he was he was signed to replace Shifty, really, wasn't he? And it just he just wasn't suited at all. But uh, yeah, but looking at that team, I probably like I've just seen it for the first time this morning. I've not really had any thoughts on it. I think it's harsh on Demel. And I would squeeze in Pavel's Mihajuks. Oft. Armin Benegar. Benegar, yeah. Uh, what was the other boy I was thinking? Mihajuks and Darren Patterson. I'd hear Lance Key and Magol. I'd hear John McQuillan probably right back. I could probably pick a fairly shite United 11 if I really put my mind to it. It would rival that one, that's for sure. You quickly went up the road to 11. <laughs> Oh, I do. I can't wait. This will be a belter. Is Vince Many in it? Is there a guy called Many? Nope. Oh, that's a disgrace. He right. was one of the worst I've seen. Go for it. Schenk and goal. United Hall of Famer. What are they on about? <laughs> back four. Lockwood at left back. Okay. Grassy in, in centre half alongside Megat 
and cowing at right back. No idea. No. Midfield again. I think base Abdi's playing a four three three here. Okay. Uh, Hughes. Mark. Well. <laughs> yeah, dear. Clock. Clock. And Simon Ferry. Clock. Wait a minute. Clock. Was he not for Ross County? But no idea. Simon. No, but Simon Ferry. Well, he's. I've never really seen him play, but he's he's doing very well for himself. So fair play to the guy. So. <laughs> up top uh, they've got a man who I've never heard of Vitveen Vitveen W-I-T-T-E-V-E-E-N no idea no. Christian Nade and Graham Bain Graham Bain is there a shite 11 yeah. <sighs> I tell you what that team would never win again they <laughs> could enter the J League at United at Gussie and they wouldn't win again uh, so uh, if you want to have a, a wee laugh at it, especially the, the ugly sisters, it's well worth it. It's at shite SPFL if you <laughs> if you need a bit of a, a rise in there. You could probably pick your own eleven, like what uh, Paul's just said. Jesus, peeps. Some brutal players in there. Oh, but there you go, a little bit of fun. Anyway, right. On this day with the Arab Archive, it's still here, but for the next little while, longer than that. Actually longer. You could take flights shorter than uh what's happening here uh, bizarre as it sounds it's same as what Paul said at the top of the uh, the episode our guests this week are Callum Butcher Mark Connolly the impeccably turned out Mark Reynolds and Sir Lawrence Shankland so we're joined this week on the podcast by the four unluckiest men in the Dundee United squad Callum Butcher, Mark Connolly, Mark Reynolds and Lauren Shankland. Thank you very much, gents, for giving up some of your day of homeschooling and whatever else you've been getting up to at the moment. And uh, can we just start off by saying, Mark Reynolds, 10 out of 10 for your appearance on the beginning of this episode with the uh, tuxedo on. No, no problem. As I, was, I was told it was a, a proper podcast and that, and you guys are the eminent guys in the area, so... Oh, that's what happened. Then I got on and saw his old and slackies and just getting the So, <laughs> I'm usually the one that's overdressed. So it's nice to be in that that camp today. Yeah, good one. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, much appreciated, gents. Like we say, but Mark, I mean, at least did make the effort. But that's fine. We could we could move on for that. Uh, we're basically going to look back at the the season that has been. We'll uh, pick into some moments that we've picked out to discuss get your thoughts on it and uh, and see where it takes us over the, the next week well and we've got some individual questions and then uh, we'll throw some teammates under the bus at the end if that sounds good to you guys yeah, right. sounds good yeah. brilliant that's the way we want it so uh, Mark Reynolds we'll start with you as, as the uh, the captain could you give us a quick uh, round up of how your football career started and take us up to why in the end you signed for United um, so I started at Motherwell um, as a young boy coming through there. I was like 13, 14. Um, right through the youth system there into the first team. And then uh, they sold me at 21 or 22 down to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I went down there for a holiday for two seasons. And then back up there, uh, went on loan up to Aberdeen. Um, the other boys, I mean, I don't really speak much about Aberdeen, so that's what I mean. <laughs> the, other, the other boys listening in. Um, played at Aberdeen we uh, was there for eight seasons we had a few guys kind of come and go and 
signed a wee fat striker for Queen's Park. And then he left rapid. Then <laughs> uh, done my cruise at Aberdeen about 18 months ago now. Um, was out with that and then uh, got a phone call from Dundee United to see if I wanted to come back on, and uh, go on loan for six months there and see how I enjoyed it. And I went went six months alone but we kind of narrowly missed out on uh, promotion through the playoffs and um, enjoyed it there liked what I saw like kind of the boys the changing room like, the kind of plan for going forward for the next four or five years and, and um, signed a three year deal and, and that's kind of brought us up to today and was the loan spell initially just to see how your knee was more than anything given because it's quite a bad injury I get yeah I, I, kind of a bit of both just to see how it was and just to kind of put myself back in the window so there was a lot of kind of yeah, just proving that my knee was solid as I was telling people it was um, like I'd, I'd done my cruciate uh, a pre-season game in Cove and on the Astro up there and uh, was out, was only out with that for four and a half months which is really quick to come back so kind of telling people that I was back fit um, ready to go and, and them thinking it was only four and a half months ago there was a lot of kind of suspicion that it maybe wasn't as good and I was just rushing it because I was currently ending my contract and I was, I was just trying to get game time. So, um, no, luckily, Dundee United, they kind of had me on their radar and, and they knew the kind of player I was and, and uh, I knew a couple of guys there that knew that the knee was as solid as we were telling them. So, no, they were happy to bring me along and, and try and help them get the promotion. And, and uh, I think after kind of four or five games and the physio had saw me and the, the, uh, the other guys had seen how good my knee was, that they knew that was really an issue and, and they kind of offered me a contract was, was kind of brought up and, as I say, it was a club for me that was kind of very much in transition and, and everything was lining up for, for the next four or five seasons to be very successful. So I was delighted when they kind of offered that contract and more than happy to sign it. Mark Connolly, same question to you. How uh, your start and where you've ended up now, how did your journey come to end up here at Tannadice? Yeah, so I, I started back in Ireland, um, a local team on United, which now actually I went bust. Um good few years ago um, then got spotted by sort of Wolves um, moved over to Wolves when I was about 15, 16 um, I'd signed like a three year deal there and then in that time uh, I was doing quite well so Bolton had come in and, came in and bought me um, so I moved up to Bolton when I was 17 uh, which probably was a bad a bad move for myself at the time with it just I was too young um, I shouldn't really have moved um, I was living in Manchester by myself at 17 in an apartment right in the city centre so um, it wasn't good it wasn't good sort of time but I um, had to grow up quickly which it took me a good few years to do that I'm still trying to do it um, and then was at Bolton for three years and then left Bolton uh, and then moved to uh, Crawley Town uh, which were in League One at the time um, and that was that was more to go and just try and get football league games and get experience understand the league um, I didn't actually I hadn't really heard of Crawley before this time um, they played. They just played I think it was Man United in the FA Cup the season before so I sort of that was the first time I've ever heard of them then ended up signing for them um, played there for two years then moved up to Kilmarnock because my, my wife now Rosa she's uh, she was Scottish so we sort of had the idea to move back to, to Scotland um, moved to Kilmarnock uh, was there for again another two years um, really enjoyed my time there it was a, it's a really really good club just just had quite a lot of injuries whenever I got to the AstroTurf I didn't realise when I was signing I didn't actually realise they'd put in an AstroTurf no one had sort of told me because um, we were training at a different place away from the stadium anyway was there for two years um, 
and then finished there and sort of had a few injuries the, the last season at Kilmarnock. So it was sort of a time that I could stay in Scotland, but I probably wasn't going to get a, a club as, as what I thought I could sort of play that standard at. So again, I moved back down south and um, back down to Crawley. Um, so yeah, I went to Crawley again for another few years, um, which was, which was again, it was more about sort of playing games, getting fitness, getting, because uh, I had a, a hip injury, which was a, quite a bad one. So I was just trying to get fit again, really. Um, but then enjoyed it. And then it got to a stage then where we had, we had two children um, and Rosa was just about to have the second child, uh, Rowan. So we, we, we thought it was a good time um, to sort of push, to sort of move back to Scotland. Um, there was a few options on the table. Um, and then obviously Dundee United came in. Um, and that was just, that was for me, that was probably the, the main one that I wanted to go to with the size of the club and the, the direction the club wanted to go in. Um, moved back up in, in January. It's been, what, a year and a half now? It's been a quick year and a half. Um, but like like Reynolds has said, it's been a it's been a brilliant time. And the first six months again, it was it was tough because we came in and we were sort of locked up to get the team promoted in such a in such a quick space. Um, but I think it was I think we gave it a good shot. But I think we always needed to get that sort of bedding in time as a team and um, as players. And I think the club done it quite well in signing a lot of players in the January, and then we were ready for this sort of season. With adding adding the quality that we did with Shanks and boys like that there, um, and and this year has been a it's been a magnificent year for us. Um, the the ending has been quite disappointing because we we obviously wanted to finish it on the pitch, but yeah, so so that's sort of been my career. But um, this last probably year and a half has been uh, it's been brilliant. It's been uh, been a good experience. Um, great great team, great club, um, but the, the boys that I'm playing with are. They're all good lads. Um, so yeah, so it's been a it's been a good time so far. And Callum, you, you're it's same to you, but yours a little bit different. It's you now your second spell at United. Yeah, this could take a while. Uh, so yeah, I come through at Tottenham. Um, was lucky enough to you know be at a really good club and and uh, have a really good youth team, some really good players and stuff like that. But didn't make the grade there, and obviously had to move on and you know go into men's football. Um, found it quite difficult to, to to settle down somewhere. So I ended up going over to Denmark and playing a year in Denmark. Uh, same sort of thing. Had to, you know, grow up a lot, living away from home, moved over with my partner at the time. And we just, you know, did the best we could for a year. You know, really, you know, different experience, obviously language barriers and stuff like that. So obviously grew up a lot out there and then come back. Um, and, you know, found it hard then to, to get into a league club because, you know, you're away for a year and, you're not, you know, you're, not, you're forgotten about, especially at a young age. I was only 19, 20 at the time. To come back and play a little bit of a non-league for six months. Um, and then at the time, Jackie McNamara uh, came to watch uh, one of the games and um, sort of said he wanted to bring me up um, and give it a shot up here. So, you know, someone kind of grabbed the opportunity out at the time and, and come up. <coughs> signed a two-year deal and uh, obviously signed as a centre-half on the first time for the club and, you know, it took me a little little time to adapt, but you know, at the time, I think, you know, I had Soapy coming through and players like that. Um, so, you know, the club wanted to push certain players and ended up limited time in my first year at the club and a few injuries and stuff like that. But in the second year, I saw Paul Jackie and said, look, I want to play centre mid. I want to, you know, I think that's where I can play. And, you know, it gave me the opportunity there. And then the second season, I, you know, had a good season, you know, wanted to, to stay at the club after that. But, 
you know, circumstances were different and uh, I ended up moving on. Uh, luckily, I went down to a good club um, at Burton Albion. Uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank signed me and, you know, I had a really good season there um, and ended up getting promoted in that season, that first season in League One to the Championship, which was great. Um, as he changed the manager down south and and, and then uh, Millwall sort of come on and said, look, we want to take you there. And that was like, for me, going back home, um, after being away for so long and travelling around, going back home and settling down, I just had my, my little boy and uh, I wanted to go back and settle down as much as I could with, with my family and stuff like that. Uh, went down there for a season um, and then got promoted with them, luckily enough, in my first season there. Um, I was in League One at the time, so I got promoted to the Championship again. And, uh, you know, same sort of thing. I got to the Championship and, you know, they you know want to spend more money, bring more players in and just go down a little bit down the pecking order. So, need to look for another opportunity. Um, ended up going to Mansfield, which was, you know, at the time looking back, it's probably the main regret of my career is is moving there. And I didn't enjoy it from kind of the first sort of few months I was there. And it just I just never settled, never, never enjoyed my football. Um, and got to the January, uh, what was that, a year now. And just, just desperate to start enjoying my football again, really, and, and feel settled and, when sort of Tony and the gaffer got on the phone, I spoke to them. It just felt right coming back to the club and something that I knew and something that I knew I could, you know, wouldn't have to settle as quickly because I knew the area. Um, I knew the club. I knew there's, you know, a few, you know, staff here and stuff like that. People I've worked with before, I knew I could come back and hopefully make an impact straight away. Um, and so like I've said, since I've come back in that January, I've really enjoyed my, my second spell here. Um, settled really well in the area. Uh, my family's happy and I'm just enjoying my football again. Something that, you know, I wanted to do when I come back and luckily I've been able to do that. And you've also enjoyed it that much. You've recently extended your contract as well, just before uh, Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, I signed a new contract before Christmas um, when the club came to me and, and, and sat down and said they wanted to do it. It's something that I wanted to do as well, just to be settled and, you know, the club's going in the right direction. It's a lot changed since um, I've been here last and, there's a lot of a lot of good and a good feel around the club, and like I said, you know, when you, you see the the players you've got in the dressing room, some, some top professionals, and just enjoy coming in training with the boys every day. Really, you know, it's a good group of lads, probably one of the best I played with, um, and we just got a good mixture of lads that want to do well and want to do well for the club. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Shankland, uh, you've already been name dropped in a Mark Reynolds zone phrase as you went to Aberdeen tell us about your journey to that's brought you here to Tannadice uh, I started at Queen's Park I was there for a year and then Reynolds says I moved to Aberdeen I wasn't quite back yet though I still I went up quite skinny and then I was and you had to listen to Reynolds for ages that's where you got fat <laughs> <laughs> six months and then I went out on Monty Dunfermline for six months done alright got injured at the end of that and back to Aberdeen then I went to St Mirren for a year on loan. And I done quite well that season, my first season at St Mirren. Um, I think I scored 10 goals or something, so that was my first season in the Championship. So that was decent. And then I went back to Aberdeen and I was actually, I was really fit, I was in good shape. And I kind of thought I would have maybe got a chance, but in fact, did I? Did I stay? I think I might have been the year I stayed for a year. Whatever happened, I went to St Mirren then I went back. No, I'm I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> well, if you did again, I waited in Birmingham, in fact, and then I done all right, and then I stayed with Aberdeen that next season for the full season. 
I think. I got there. Like, I made like 17 appearances, only 30 seconds long, so I did up to about eight minutes in total. And then um, absolutely ruined my career. But <laughs> then I went to St Mirren for a year, done well. And then I went back to Aberdeen for a wee bit. I had a good pre-season in that, but they just... Um, they're looking to sign somebody else and they signed the boy Wes Burns he came in and scored his first touch in a game in Europa League so I was like right that's me at the door <laughs> then I got my boots and then I went back to St Mirren for another <laughs> for six months didn't really work out at all um, so then for the second half of that season I moved to Brom again horror show <laughs> and then I got released to Aberdeen eventually and then I was just sitting about for a few months, then thankfully Air signed me in September 2017. I think. Um, right now, done well. It was League One, obviously. I knew it was a it was a step down, and it was something I just felt I had to do. Just take a wee step back to go forward again, and I went there. I got all my confidence back. Um, Ian McCall, Ian McCall, my second dad, looked after me. Um, got me feeling that I was a player again, and. Thankfully enough, we went on to win the league and then had another season, signed another year there in the championship. We did really well, got playoffs. Nobody would have probably imagined that I got that far up the table when we got promoted, but we did, we done really well. I think it was a 5 5 0 beating the Dundee United in there as well. Um, Aye, we, we know. We were in <laughs> What are you doing? I was like, that was probably when they decided that they might back to sign me. Um, and then, aye, that, that just came in. all went well for the start. Aye, well, they, we, we mentioned the uh, that 5-0 game that we didn't speak about a lot, obviously. Um, we mentioned yeah. it when Robbie Nielsen was on with us and uh, uh, Scott Ogren was on as well. And I had to admit that uh, it was probably the first time that an opposition player scored and I just gave up announcing that they'd scored a goal because I'd had enough. We <laughs> <laughs> fell. None of these three were playing. It was... I don't I can't remember. There's a lot of boys on the on the here now anyway that were playing. So we played we ended, eventually played and other lads were playing and I think Bayern United beat us two one. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit of a bit of an off night, but it was a good night for me. Oh it was a rough night, I'll give you that. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah. Uh yeah, thanks for that, guys. Uh so basically what we're gonna do, we're gonna look at the season. We've a couple of moments we want to bring out. Just dive in. There's nothing kind of set. We'll not go around you individual. We'll just have a bit of a blather about it and sum up what it was. Uh, one of the big moments, apart from when we, we got the surprise signing of Lorne Shanklin that we weren't expecting when it come about, the opening day of the season, a 4-0 win against Inverness. Lorne, you can kick us off. I think you might have grabbed a couple that day or so. Uh, a brilliant win. What a way to start the, the opening uh, fixture of a season. It was um, obviously Inverness we, we looked at and they're one of the bigger clubs in the division and we expect them to obviously be up there challenging as we were as we've seen it for the start of the season and we kind of a bit of an average kind of cup start and we obviously went out of the, the Betfred quite early so it was probably a wee bit of reaction for the midweek there we'd lost a game as well and we knew we had to have a good start to the season and thankfully enough obviously a 4-1 when at home, you, you can't go wrong. And it was also a, a dream debut for me. I can imagine scoring four and <clears throat> it was perfect. Because obviously we, we lose the game against East Fife that you mentioned and it's a disappointing campaign. 
does the friendly go to Shrewsbury help? Because it's it's not as competitive, or because I, I mean Robbie Nielsen had said as well that because the club can sign it, they can say when they want to play these games. It left a free week to go and play a a real competitive game, and well, you know the result doesn't matter. But did that help? I think it just on that the, the Shrewsbury trip was kind of I mean that was the first time I kind of done something like that in a pre season, and I mean it, it should have been a bit of a nightmare the way it kind of went about, but it worked out brilliant. I mean we. We took the train down just because it would be quicker, uh, more space. We could have got up and walked about and that. And then I can't remember where it was. One of the boys might know, but we'd sat at a station for ages. And uh, then the conductor came over and said, um, we're going to try and restart the train. Obviously, it's been broke down. And it was like an hour and a half. We just sat still and we had not even noticed that we hadn't even moved. So it turned into like a seven or eight hour journey like from here. And then we got to the hotel later and then... We get the game in that, but like I think that time together, even though it turned into a kind of logistically a bit of nightmare, like just the boys being in and about each other and just going through all that kind of brought all together a wee bit closer. But um, as well, just coming back when you're saying about obviously signing Shanks at the start of the season, my first memory signing Shanks is I'm turning up at training with his agent, obviously when they were just about signing, and we were getting absolutely battered just in running and Shanks was just standing. Could have joined in, just with his hands in his pockets, just smiling away, and then he came I don't know, he kept back like four or five days just watching us run, and then. I don't know if it was the last day we get the balls out and we're playing games and then all of a sudden Shaq's thumped up with his on ready to play. So. He's not, he's not stupid. <laughs> he, he's not timed stupid. It, he timed it unbelievably. Yeah, quite like, time. That missed all around, swooped in and then uh, again, we, me and Boots, we, we drive in, we to drive together car schools to training and stuff um, over at St Andrews and we'd say that in the car, like, what a signing but yeah. Getting, the, getting the goals against Inverness was exactly what we needed because a lot of people were just raising that question mark and he just absolutely knocked out the park for him to say, no, it's too big a stage, there's too much pressure on him and then I, that just kind of set the stage for him just for the rest of the season to just go and absolutely destroy the league for us. Definitely. Mm. And then uh, it's important to start the season well. August as a whole, you know, four, four wins on the bounce. You know, Lawn scores in them all. Uh, we put in some good performances. Um we finished a month off, not just with a, a brilliant result as well, but a Callum Butcher double. Talk to me. Yeah. I don't know what came out of me then. Actually, I don't know what came out of me. No, <laughs> obviously that was a that was a big you know you know statement. Um, we knew going into the first derby, uh, we wanted to make a statement, and I think obviously we've done that. We've done that with our performance, and um, you know, and the, you know the way we played. I thought you know particularly through the game, we've played a lot better throughout the season, but it just so happened to be that you know, everything we hit went in. And, uh, you know, that, that was a big statement at the start of the season, especially, like you said, going off to August and, and being unbeaten and all that sort of stuff. So that was a really good day and thank you know, I'll always remember. And On that game, uh, if we can ask Mark Connolly, uh, you obviously injured yourself. So Callum was not only the goal scorer that day, but he was midfield general, centre-half. And uh, my lasting memory of the derby is you hopping about like a madman when Cammy mm-hmm. Smith put the sixth in the net. Did you make your injury worse by doing that by any chance? Nah, to be honest with you, I um, I'd sort of done my hamstring before before the game. Um, I'd done it like a week before. I think it was the day before Dunfermline in training, and in training I'd jump around like a madman as Shanks would say at times, um, and I jumped in for a tackle, which I shouldn't have against Adrian. And I remember feeling my hamstring, um, probably I tore it a little bit. Um, but So I missed the Dunfermline game. Um, so I thought I'll have a week of rest and then get back for the Dundee game. And then as the week went on, I sort of knew in my head that it wasn't right. But obviously we're playing 
Dundee. So I thought I need to get back for it. Um, played in played in that game, uh, and obviously my hamstring went completely, completely tore it. Um, but I don't think I certainly don't think that helped me running down the line. Um, but then I ran, and then I realised what I was doing. I sort of tried to twist around and get back into the changing room. <laughs> even in the cha- even in the changing room after it, it was it was just. I didn't really feel it. And then the next day I didn't feel it. And Sunday I didn't feel it. But then Monday, I think it was Monday, Ken, I remember waking up and it was, the adrenaline was going away then. And I was just in absolute agony. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I could have made it worse. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I probably, I probably shouldn't have played in the game. But, but like, like, even like Butch was saying, I think um, personally, in my opinion, I don't think that was probably one of our better performances. Um, I think we played so much better uh, in, in a lot of games. But I think I think we started the season so well. I think fitness wise, I think from the disappointment of um of the playoffs sort of um a few months before, um, I think the boys sort of had in their heads that we're gonna come back and, and, and hit the ground running. Fitness and, and everything and, and, and I think that's why a lot of the teams that we played, like Inverness and all that, we steamrolled them because we were fitter and we have better players in my opinion. Um, but we were just at it and, and like Reynolds had said. We added a, a goal score to the to the team, which is what I, what we felt like. Me, Reynolds, and Butch, when we came in in January, we spoke that we're missing that 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 guy that can score the goals. And we've always seen we've seen Shanks from afar, and he's been scoring all these all these goals. So he was the ideal replacement. But obviously, getting him in was the was the tricky part. Now when we seen him come to the training ground. They thought, oh, that's not a good sign, and they end up signing, and they scored about five hundred and twenty goals. So. Yeah, it's been quite good, and quite clever as well. Without with no ball on the train for four days while you boys done the running. How hard was the uh, season, by the way? He's <laughs> tough. He's <laughs> tough. Tough. Have you seen that? Have you been watching that ACS top enough? Thing? <laughs> that would be like a weekend off for us. <laughs> Do you want to take us through a typical day at pre-season? Just the See if the gaffer went. See if the gaffer went on ACS top enough. He'd be laughing at him. He'd, he'd <laughs> like a warm up to him. Like he's the fittest guy in the world, and he just demands that of everybody else. Like, aye, it's honestly. To, to, to be fair, he has this, this board up in, in the start of pre-season, so they have a schedule up on the board. And uh, one of the days is just is just gaffer day. That's what it says. It's just gaffer's day. And I think Shanks, when he's when he was coming in, I think he's seen that and gone. Uh, yeah, I think I skipped that one. Uh, he he's saying he's saying the next day, didn't he? He was in the, well, he was in the next day. Yeah, the next day. Basically, just run until you can't really, you know. You know, it's. But I think, like Conza said, I think that was a a big thing for us. Our fitness, you know, this year really, you know, even to later on in games, you know, like Shanks obviously popping up in the goals, important goals for us. But later on in games, we, you know, we finish with the games really strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the one game we move into September is the, you know, I've never cheered a last minute winner against Arbroath like that in my life I actually think it took about three years to put the music on but it is what it is but the other situations that you do need that when you are 1-0 down at home and not panicking is that something that's been installed in the team to just calm concentrate on the game and the goals or the chances certainly will come yeah I think you know our brave are going to sit in uh, at home against us and we kind of knew that before the game and, and, and you know that's something to hold on to they scored a goal that's something to hold on to but we kind of knew if we got Shanks in the right areas, um, he'd score. And you know, it was unbelievable that last those last two goals were fantastic for us. And, you know, that's another turning point in the season for us to go and come from behind so late on. It galvanises the team to know that you've got that 
you've got that in the back pocket just in case you need to do it. And uh, I was I was actually I was actually sitting in the airport at that time. I was coming back up from London. I had just had a scan, and I remember seeing it, and I was I was jumping around the airport um, when I heard it. But the biggest the biggest surprise from that day was seeing Shanks take off his stuff and seeing the six pack. <laughs> that was that was the biggest thing for me. I couldn't believe how ripped he was. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was a massive win for us. I think personally, that was huge. I- I think as well at the start of the season like I mean it just felt as though no matter what we'd done everybody just wanted to find a negative like we started obviously we made loads of signings and everybody was on us oh they've made all these signings and they need to win they need to do this and then we started winning and all of a sudden it was all you'd expected to win you know they've got the players that's what they should be doing like even when we beat Inverness to handle it this first game that, that's exactly what they should be doing and that's what Shanklin should have done and then we go for three or four games and win and it's no this is what they should be doing and then the media, the press, all the way up to the derby. As oh, this will be the real test. This is this is where we'll test the metal. And then with the smart of Dundee, and it's oh, but they, they should have done that. But they they, they won't like it's, it's teams like a pro that will struggle. And then we're obviously go down and it's saying, oh, see, this is where they test. And it just felt as though for us at the start of the season, constantly getting these questions asked, and us just being able to knock it straight back at people and say, no, like we can do that. We'll, we'll handle the derby. We'll handle the pressure there. We can come back against teams. And I think that just kind of set as the foundations for the rest of the season, just to. As we done, just kind of go through it because I mean we got that like, on that twelve game run where we kind of were undefeated, one eleven and drew one, and, and that for me that was where we won it. But the start of the season, just answering up all the equations because it's unbelievable that negativity and just people are just desperate for us to fail, and uh, yeah. it was just just good for us to be able to just uh, basically just to shut them up and say you know what, like we're not really interested in what you've got to say. We'll just handle our business, and um, if you get anything to say, you can speak to us in May when uh, the season's done. And I'm assuming and you, did you guys use that as a motivation then? I think so. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, the world's against us. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I, I think personally, like there wasn't. We never. We spoke about it at times about how negative it was towards us. Um, but I think, I think as the players that we brought in and the, the type of characters we brought in, I think it was more of a an individual thing that you wanted to, you wanted to be, sort of shut them up. Basically, you wanted to basically laid down a marker and this is what we were about um, and any time we had sort of negativity at, at, at that stage we always sort of came back with a win with a good win and um, we were scoring a lot of goals and we were doing well so it, w- it was just it was one of them things that um, it was quite frustrating at the time because you're thinking to yourself like what what do you expect us to do we're winning, we were winning games by a lot of goals and then if we didn't win a game by a lot of goals there was something wrong or if we drew a game there was something wrong we lost a game and it, my, this is my first time in the championship. It's it's a tough league. It's a it's a very very unpredictable league. Um, you don't know like a lot of the teams you play. It's a lot more direct. Um, I, I actually found whenever I was at Kilmarnock, the Premiership was easier at times because you sort of knew what sort of style you're going to be playing against and the way teams are going to set up against you. Whereas in this league, you could come and there's eleven players behind the ball for ninety minutes, which. And I know, and people would say that we we have the best players of this and that there, but it's, it is still very very difficult to do that. And everyone expected us to win every every week, um, and always put us down if we didn't or if anything happened. But I think the character of everyone, everyone at the club and in the team, was was huge to, to get over that. Shanks, was that a, was that the most deserved yellow card that you got for taking your top off that day? Should have been a week's wages. <laughs> it was. Um... As the boys have said, it was it was probably our first test we'd had in the season. I think it was the longest we'd been behind in a game. And obviously at that point, I'll put it out there, our broth are really a really, really good side that we like they don't 
they can't do boats, but they're so disciplined in it and they are really organised and they're really hard to break down. So obviously we had to just keep grinding away and it was probably the longest we'd been behind in a game up until that point and as expected the, the crowd and that's on your back. So it was going to be another one of the odd and United kind of beat up both like scenarios. But um, thankfully enough, we managed to, to pop up with the two goals. And I think, as you said, it was a wee bit of a turning point because the belief we got for that, we knew getting into every game that if we did go behind it, we always had a chance of getting back in it with a draw or, or even going to win. And I think it only took us three minutes to score two goals. And it was one of the ones, so as soon as we scored the first one, I knew there was a chance we'd get the second because all the boys had the same momentum going forward. So it was a great win for us. And obviously, I think we carried that, that character on through the season. Yeah, and you go through that, you're on about there, Mark Conley, when you bounce back. We beat Morton 6 0 the following week. You know, it just shows you the, the type of league that it is. You know, another team that could have camped in, but I thought we blew them away that day. We were absolutely superb on, on the day. And a 6 0 win at home that early in the season, it was another marker put down by United. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was huge. I think I think that was, I remember our first game, me, uh, Butch, and Reynolds, our first game with Morton at home uh, in the January. And I remember the first half, we absolutely battered them. Um, it was like an onslaught. But we were only 2-0 up. Um, and then they came back and scored in the second half. And the game ended 2-1. But I think, like, I'm not just saying Shank is here, but that was the difference for us this season, that we had someone that was scoring goals. And yeah. we had that we had that belief. And we had that when we were playing when we were playing other teams, they were afraid. They knew they actually had to put two or three men on Shanklin. And then you have the likes of McMullen, Clarkey, Louis, these boys getting the chance to, to, to show themselves and, and show them what they're about. And I think that was that is the biggest thing that we changed this season was having that sort of um, identity going forward, scoring goals was was probably the biggest thing for the for the season, really. Yeah, we the, the only one we get into a bit of a, a poor spell when we kind of win a Friday night away at Aloha. What's going on? No one likes. You ever played away at Aloha? No, I was there. It was bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's and that that, that kind of starts a, a bit of a you know two bad defeats back to back. The Queen in the South game follows it. What's the feeling going from the run that we're on to those two games back to back? The thing is with that as well. I'm a little tough, so. <laughs> Do you a hair transplant with astroturf and it fell out? So that's why you didn't. I know. haven't had a bad experience with that man. I went to one of the hair transplants in Turkey and they were going to put astro on and diet and I lost it. No, but like, you couldn't get it orange enough. <laughs> like, I, for me, I, 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 I hate astro. Like, I can't, it's a completely different game. Like, yeah. uh, obviously, I've done my cruise yet on astro. Blame that, blame the astroturf. 100 percent and that's why it happened. And it's the, the it's just completely different. The mechanics of the game are completely different. And if you get a team who's playing on an actual pitch and training on it every week, you, you get used to playing it. You see in the Premiership as well, we like see you come out near Hamels and even Livingston coming up. There's a way to play it. And uh, even I mean I mean we speak to Mikey Devlin when he came and played with us and he says that Hamilton used to brush the pitch different ways at half time so that when they launched a the ball, they would brush it so that the ball would hold up and brush it all the way so that it would run through. So like I'm, I put it down in Ashtoff, so I think that question's sorted. I uh, yeah, well, I, I personally, I personally think that people need to give the likes of Alawa and Arbroath when Shanks said it a lot more credit than what they actually have. There, um, Arbroath have majority of their team could play full time. A lot of them boys have played full time. They've went part time, and Alawa are probably since I 
since I've been at Dundee United, they're probably the best team that we've played. Like technically, they they pass the ball, they play a certain way, and it suits them. So yes, we we've we've struggled there, but I also think they're they're actually a decent team, and they've got that bracket of part time, which I don't think should really should really be put into it because they are. I think a lot of them boys at Alloa and Arbroath can play full time football. Um, as well, Cons, the, the two managers there are very good managers as well. Very experienced, mm-hmm. and, and have got as Con said, got both the teams playing very good football. It's not as if they just turn up and they're patching men, or they just turn up and try and ruin the game. I mean, they've got a game plan and they pop it about and they walk yeah. out. So, yeah. there needs to be a lot more, I think a lot more respect. And I think, to be fair, I think we've done that when we come in. We treated the league with respect, and kind of when you speak to boys who've come before, or speak to guys like yourself and fans about the place, it, it almost felt as though there was a bit of feeling that Dundee United were too big for the league and we would get out of it just because we were Dundee United and I think we kind of almost kind of had the opinion that we would need to give it the respect it deserved and, and treat every game because for for, the, for most other teams that was their cup final playing us and kind of everybody was saying we would go up and it was they could go and saying look we can test ourselves against what's been touted as the best team in the league yeah, On the subject of the, the Queen of the South game then obviously that was on the back of a fairly poor away run of three games, three defeats. And on the face of it, any time that you, the, the punters and the media speak to Robbie Nielsen, he's obviously, he's quite poker-faced. You never know if he's won, lost or drawn the game usually. But after after the, particularly the Dumfries game when we got thrashed, uh, for want of a better word, did anything, was anything different in the changing room? Does he, does he lose the plot? Does he just keep it level-headed all the time with you guys? Or was any, did anything different go on from after that game? It wasn't, it wasn't the gaffer after the Queen of the South game. I think it was the players. You know, um, <clears throat> we knew, obviously, that, that that performance wasn't acceptable. Alloa was a tighter game and we could have made the goal something for it. Although, albeit we didn't play well at all, but when we went to Queen of the South, we, we got absolutely battered. We were second to every ball that bounced and we just knew ourselves that we weren't anywhere near good enough but I think well, it was obviously stay in the changing room but boys after games we, we had a conversation and we, we knew and we put out our differences with what we all felt and, and I felt it really helped it at that time I mean not being your day you, you know why you get too caught up in, in bad runs it was two games I think I, I don't know if it was three I think it was two and the bounce bad as we knew that the hard places to go and we also knew that other teams would struggle to go there and, and win as well wouldn't it be just us but it was probably the, the performance at Queen of the South is the thing that let everybody felt but me personally I know I was let down by myself I, I felt I knew how bad I'd played and I think my teammates were there on the so <clears throat> that was the main thing everybody looked at themselves and then we discussed what we thought we could improve on and, and that's what we went and worked on and I, I feel it did work yeah, it did work because we then went on that big unbeaten run I wasn't conceding goals or anything until Mr. Reynolds stuck the bannies in there in one game. <laughs> that was more to do with Benji because uh, Benji loved ah, right, he's, he's not here. You can't blame the boy that's not here. Swanson's got a big model, right? And he's giving it off oh, his record. And I thought, nah, I'm not having that. <laughs> and I knew, like Con said earlier, I knew, I knew Shaq would score. So it would be fine. Bobbed. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, we we go on at that run like you mentioned there. It starts with Dunfermline. Nicky Clark loves a goal against Dunfermline. It's a great time for us as fans because they hate it and we absolutely love it. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. He loves he loves, he loves playing against Dunfermline, so he does. I think as well, Clarky was I think Clarky was probably suffered the most for chance for him because Clarky was unbelievable, scoring some great goals for us. 
And then obviously his strike partner was absolutely banging him in. Like Clarkie scored one shank, he scored two or three. But I mean, Clarkie for me was a huge miss when he, he got injured towards the tail end of the season. Like he was a, for me, he was a key for us that link between kind of defence and attack. But as you say, he, he popped up with some very important goals and. And it, that, that was one of them that kind of set us on our way to an unbelievable run of results. Yeah, especially in that yeah. run as well, because he scores about, I think, six and eight games or whatever. But takes us up to the first derby, started things off with a big victory. We go to Dens, Friday night football. First though, you're a fan of Friday night football? It's all right when you win. I, could, I like it, yeah. I, I, I like it. I like, I like it when it's not way to Alloa. Yeah, all the other ones are just, so, so do we just, don't just, be just, just the way to it nah but I, th- I, I quite I quite enjoy I quite enjoy playing football I don't know what it's like for fans but sometimes on a Saturday it can be it can be the atmosphere might not be as, as good on a Saturday at 3 o'clock I don't think I think on a Friday night if you get like the, the right if it's the right game don't get me wrong it has mm-hmm. to be the right sort of game I think in the premiership it would be it would be brilliant but me personally I think Friday nights are great great games and the, the second derby is obviously on a, a Friday night it, it's going to be, you've had the first experience of the 6-2, we're going to sell out our allocation, it's going to be bouncing. Three minutes in the game, a Callum Butcher yellow card, now we've started. I was going to say <laughs> that, I think that, I think we watched that tackle about 40 times over the course of the season. Like the game, my, my first memory is the game starting and Butcher just cementing somebody. And yeah. It's, yeah. That's it. I thought, I, thought, look, I thought it was a bit harsh, you know, to give me it that early. But first, the first one's usually three. Back, maybe, maybe deserved. But you know, you got to set the tone in games, and I thought I think we did that all season. I think you know, we knew we were saying in the dressing room we was going to set the tone, we was going to be the ones to set the tone. And I think we've done that, and I think that derby for us was you know obviously a really good atmosphere, but it was a it was a really good performance and a really good you know the six two is is a six two, and like I said, the, you know, flying left, right, and centre, but. That that two 0 was a really good performance and, and one of our best performances of the seasons, I think. And it was a great atmosphere mm-hmm. at Dens as well for both fans, which kind of makes it because it's, and I think we're quite lucky because it's a total different derby because it's it's your mates, it's your family and whatever that we're going up against. Then we, you know, win, lose or draw, you're either giving it out the following week or you're getting it, and it's it's just a great atmosphere. I mean, I'm assuming just before the build-up and the it kicks off, you must just look at the fans and it's always a great away crowd, but at Dens, it's got to be something special in that kind of massive game. No, we knew that. We knew we know, we know that going into those games, what it means to people, and you know, we want to give our fans the bragging rights as much as we could. And luckily, we, we was able to do that this year. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, like you said, it was a really good atmosphere. Obviously, the Friday night helped because the build-up all week and you know, everyone's speaking about it and it's on TV and stuff like that. So... Like I said, I thought it was a, a really good performance from the boys. And that run as well coincided with what seemed to be the Mark Connolly get on for one minute to get his win bonus at that time. Yeah, no, me and the gaffer had a deal, so we did. Uh, <laughs> we didn't notice. <laughs> no, um, no I, was, I was coming back uh, from injury and obviously I didn't know. I just, I was always just, I thought it'd be being on the bench and stuff, but then obviously getting on a few minutes was. I don't have any appearance money or any stuff like that there, so it made absolutely no difference. Uh, but it was just nice getting on the pitch and being involved with 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 the boys. But uh, just watching from the side at that stage, it was. <clears throat> I think at the start, whenever we would lost a few games, it was it was really really difficult. Um, but then whenever we went in the run, it was just brilliant to see. The confidence was sky high. The boys were flying. Um, and I just thought it was, it was brilliant um, and obviously for me just sort of getting back into fitness and getting back in the team was uh, was brilliant so it was how frustrating was it for you oh sorry Lawrence on you go 
I was just going to say the thing was at that at that point Dundee were on a good run as well. People forget. Yeah. Yeah. They went in within three points or something. It was three or four points I were behind us. So if they'd have beat us, so it was a huge, as Rich said, a great away performance, but it was a huge win in terms of the season because it gave us that wee breathing space. And I think that when we got that, they were only going one direction. I think most of the boys saw that too. Well, what was the celebration all about then, Lawrence, with the high knees? Because for about a week after that, my young lad was running about my, my hall or lobby, if you're from Dundee with a high knees pulling a funny face at his mum because his mum's a Dundee fan so that's kind of chuckling in the background as well was it just a heat of the moment thing? I'm not going to lie I honestly thought it was game over I thought it was so much later in the game than <laughs> i done it and then I looked at the clock when I went back it was only the 68th minute I was like oh um, I was, your emotion just going to take over when you score goals like that so I'm glad I did it all this way <laughs> oh, it was class it was class and even Ronnie might deny it but it made him squeal like some sort of high pitched noise that only dogs usually hear because he was stood behind me that game that, what was all that about Ronnie? I, I, I'm not yeah. really sure it also happened again when we had a chance and the keeper somehow saved it and about oh, collapsed right, as well it's, it was, uh, it was chaos it, the, the best thing about it is especially in Derby it's always going to be special but I've never seen supporters levitate downstairs at such a pace than I do at Dens Park when we score it was chaos at yeah. times. Absolutely chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Good fun though. Yeah, oh, it's always good. Uh, Mark, how frustrating was it for you on the sideline to coming back for injury and being a team player, but personally you're itching to be on the part and playing your part? Yeah, it was It was tough. It was, it, it, it's been, been sort of a, an up and down season for me personally with, I'd sort of had the aim of coming back sort of being as, as fit and as, as, as lean as I could. Um, probably one of the best shapes I've been in. Um, and I probably pushed myself a wee bit too hard at times, um, trying to get to a certain level. So anyway, when I done that, when I done my hamstring, um, and like I said at the start, when we lost the first, when we lost a few games, that was difficult because um, I just wanted to be a part of it and help, and not even be playing, just being a part of the squad and being on the bench, whatever it had to be. Um, but then seeing seeing the boys win all their games, it was it was it was unbelievable, and that sort of pushed me on actually to get back as as fit as I could and as quick as I could to be a part of it um, and like I said I came back and I was I was on the bench for, for quite a while um, but it was it, it was a tough time but also the, the results helped if we had been losing and stuff it would have been a lot, lot different um, but obviously winning and then being part of that even coming back to that one at the end that was that was absolutely incredible that was like I said I think that's probably the best we've played um, tactically our, our composure there was a lot of pressure on us as well, like the boys were saying. Um, I think there's been pressure on us in a lot of games this season, even the one at Inverness at home. And when we won, uh, I can't remember what day it was. It was the Friday night game. And if we had a loss that game, I think we were 11 points. And then if they win their games at hand and so on. So, but I think I think we've dealt with it quite well. But that, that, that Dundee game on the Friday night, that was a huge one for us, I think. And we kept going as well in December. You know, you, there's always doubts of can people retain the form or whatever. And we we kept going as well. You know, we beat Air four 0 at home. We go to Arbroath and get a win. Like say it was a tough. It was Sam Stanton that got the winner that day. You know, and it wasn't. A, it was. It was one of these days you have to grind out a result more than play the the silky two touch football or whatever. And you've got to grind out to get points and get out of the league at the end of the day. And Gayfield, I imagine, on the playing surface is it's not the nicest place to be on a. A cool day. No, definitely. I think going back as well, looking at the games, you know, that was one game that stick out for me. It was terrible weather. We knew there. We knew if we went there, and I think United over the years, you know, 
safe to say that they've struggled at places like that over the years, you know, and, and to get out of the championship, you've got to win them games. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought it was a really battling performance by all the boys, obviously, to, to get the early goal and then to hold on as long as we did with the, the win coming down. I think that showed a different side to our, to our game. Showed a bit of character that we've got in the dressing room, and I think that all come through on that day. And I think after that, we, you kind of sort of you know you're going towards uh, where you want to be and, and, and promotion. And then after that, we get a wee bit of Christmas joy when Dundee win a World Cup and get a point at Tannadice. Um, one all draw on that, it was a wee bit of a frustrating day as well. And it took Callum Butcher 90 minutes to get his book in, which you speak to any Dundee fan, it should have happened after about 90 seconds again. Yeah, yeah they're not happy. <laughs> no, look, if, I think, to, if you speak to me, you should have had it after about 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I think, you know, that game at home, was, was, it was one of them. We were was frustrated with our performance, but it's, it happened in derbies, you know. There's going to be the different types of games, there are different atmospheres and, you know, there's a lot, a lot of tension. And, and Dundee had to win that game. They had to had to win the game so for us to come off and take a point we were, we was really happy with that you know obviously they celebrated like they'd won the World Cup like you said and we just sort of knew that by taking a point off them there we was one step closer to where we wanted to be we wasn't really focusing on them at the time we was sort of looking up and and, and about sealing it for ourselves Lord, I, think well, I think as well so in that game it, it felt as all season I know we went well and we pushed but every time we did slip up or drop points the three or four teams running about it was always Either matched the result or yeah. what? I mean, if we drew, was, it, was that on the Friday night? Was that a Friday night game as well? I think it may have been. Yeah. And then the, yeah. and then the, team, uh, yeah. the weekend. I remember results on the weekend and nothing would change. Yeah. And, I, and it was like, and that, that happened every time. I mean, we never lost money or drew money, but when when it did, it seemed like it was either against one of the teams that were in and around about us, or the ones round about us played each other, and, and the results went for us every time. And I, I, I the same Butch were in a car school. They got me Butch, uh, we Cammy, Peter Pot, and Audrey and so. And uh, we should say, like, I've not, and I always say, I've never been involved in a team that we always seem to get that break. Like, and I think there was, like, getting to that part of the season, things were starting to line up. We were thinking, like, you know, you know, it's maybe just that everything has just fallen into place for this to be the season. But we, I think, I think with that, with that, sorry, with that Friday night, though, we, that we've got to take stuff like that as a compliment because we had set the standard so high the whole season that whenever we drew at Dundee at home, that, like you said, yeah. we celebrated uh, quite extreme, but. But that comes again from the, the standards that we set from from the Inverness game at home, the very first game. The standards were so high. Whenever we drew a game, or if we even, not that we lost many, but if we lost a game, it was like so low. Everyone was so disappointed and so annoyed, which I totally understand. And us as players were, were absolutely devastated to lose or draw a game. But we had set the standards so high that if we ever, if it was ever a, a blip or ever a a low point it seemed extreme um, and, and I think when you when you come away from it and you look at it um, I think the compliment to us as a, as a team and as the boys as players on, on these nights that it just shows you how far we've come obviously being in the championship for four years we've, we've struggled to, to come out of it and now that we draw it home to Dundee and we didn't play our best game but we drew they've celebrated like they've, they've won the league so I think that that's the biggest thing. I think stuff like that we need to take away from this season as well is a huge thing. And uh, we start 2020, Queen the South away with a Mark Connolly goal. Oh, what the performance as well, sir. I love them after talks. They're unbelievable. So, yeah. No, um, that was a... <laughs> That was a yeah, that was a tough game. I, I, I sort of when I was when I came back for that one, um, 
I, I knew Queen of the South away is not a game you sort of want to come back for. Uh, that's a it's a it's a really really tough place to go. Um, and that was a, that was again it wasn't probably one of our better performances from what from what I can remember that like as a, as a team I don't think we we particularly played very well but again we won the game clean sheet one nil and, and and that was another huge. When you look back, there's loads of them, but that was another huge one as well for us. For us winning the league, like I don't think we, I don't think we created many chances for Shanks that day. Um, obviously, I got on one from a corner, and I think we sort of needed that that day to win that game. Um, and that, and that, again, that's the difference why I think we've won the league because we could do that sort of in the second stage of the season um, to win games. And the following, yeah. the following week, Party Thistle away, another Lorne Shankland hat trick, but it was also the game that uh, Nicky Clark got injured. Yeah. Foolishly. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> nice that was, was another classic away performance, as we said. We, were, we knew that at that time as well, Party Thistle did a wee kick for Fee McCorgan and they were actually starting to look up the way and they picked up their game, but I think we, we spoke on the Thursday or the Friday, it was a couple of the boys went for a coffee and we were like, this is going to be a real tough one because you know how well they were playing and I think Cornley was sweating a wee bit. He was like, this is going to be really tough. This is going to be I really do, I, I do, I do that. I do that before every game. I, I try to like mentally get into the heads and tell them how tough it is, regardless how if it is going to be easy. I always say to Shanks, it's going to be really tough on Saturday. It's going to be really tough. And he's like, Mate, you keep saying that. It's starting to get annoying. But I knew, <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew Partick though. I, I genuinely, I just knew because Partick obviously, um, they were bottom of the league. Um, but they're they're actually they're actually not a bad side. They've got some good players there, and they've struggled. Their confidence is low. But that that game, I think, was the first twenty minutes. I'm sure we were under the cosh completely. Yeah, Big Benji had a couple of good saves. Yeah, for the first twenty minutes, and then after that, like I said, we we held out and we shanks done, but shanks does and scores three goals. But um, yeah, that was that was a tough game that one. But again, I think it was the the, the, the bad point from it was. I don't really like talking about that game with Clarky getting injured. That was a just being in the dressing room after it and stuff. It was a, it wasn't nice at all. And the the following week was what we would class the biggest test was the the Scottish Cup. How did first? How did you feel when we were drawn against Hibs and the the game itself, especially the the, uh, the original tie at Tanadice? I was I was excited personally. I was I, I was I was excited to play against uh, a team like Hibs and stuff because that's that's what you want to do. You want to play against the the, the bigger so-called better teams, and, and and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to test ourselves. Um, I think we might have put a wee bit more pressure on our on ourselves as individuals and players than we probably needed to. Um, but I, I think we showed that we can certainly. We could certainly live with them and, and play at that level. Um, it's just with the cup games, they're a totally, they're a totally different. They build up to it, and the expectation and stuff is, is totally different. Um, but I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt. Me personally, I think I felt excited about it. You want to play against them, so them so-called bigger teams, better teams, you know. Callum. Uh, yeah, I know. Obviously, like you know, we said before, it's, it's kind of felt like every sort of game, you know especially games like that we're going into, everyone's sort of going like, this is the real test now. And uh, you know, for me personally, I was you know at a time where I was picking up injuries for that game, I had to have an injection in my groin and I, just, I, I didn't feel great myself uh, going into the game. But I thought, like Konza said, I thought we competed really well. You know, we made a good account of ourselves at home and, you know, in the, in the replays, you know, you know, set pieces that really let us down. Um, and, 
you know, overall the two the two legs, I thought we played well. I think you know we showed we can play at that level, and you know, it's something that we're going to look forward to this season, definitely. And Lawrence, your your thoughts? You got a goal just on half time as well. I thought this obviously it was an, an exciting tie for us. We knew that obviously everybody was looking at it as probably one of the biggest ties in the round, and it was obviously televised, etc. Big crowd they brought up with them as well, so it was kind of had a wee bit of derby feel to it because the crowd was so good in that. And it was at home where we did match them and we under replay. I felt at times we probably were under the caution, maybe got a wee we rode our luck a wee bit, but in the games you need to. And then you down Easter Road and when we made it to each, I think it could have went either way. It was just unfortunate that um, Big Deutsch took all his chances that he got that night. <laughs> There's not much you can do if a striker's on form and he takes them all, then it does happen. But I think it it showed us as, as players that we've got the ability to to match teams like that. Hibs have got real good quality for their team. They're all good footballers, comfortable on the ball, and I think that's something that that we need to take up to next season. We need to be confident and gone in places like that and playing and I feel like I feel like we did do that obviously we, we came on the wrong end of the result and went out of the cup essentially but I felt we could take a wee bit of, wee bit of positive with it I thought, we played, I thought we played better I thought we played better at Easter Road than we did at, at home I thought we actually obviously they beat us at Easter Road but I thought we I thought we passed the ball a lot better we were in a better shape um, I think going forward sort of counter-attack we were, we were very very strong um, I think the game at home was quite so I got to a stage where it was quite really, really open. It was all over the place. Um, but I think at Easter Road, I thought, like like Butch said, obviously, set pieces. We didn't deal with some set pieces. Dodge was, Dodge was really, really good. Um, but other than that, I, I felt, especially being at the back, being around, I felt, we felt comfortable. You know what I mean? Felt, felt comfortable in, in the game. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was good. But obviously... Part of them as well, like Conza said uh, early on, is... You, you know, you know how they're going to set up. You know, we had a game plan. You know, they had that game plan. It's kind of a, we set up in a certain way, and for majority of the time, you, you know, we, we was on the, on the good end of that. So, you know, next season going into games instead of in the championship where you don't really know what's going to turn up at the weekend, you kind of know what you're going into. You know, we we will set up in different ways all next season um, as the games come. I think as well when these games obviously I never played the, the first leg I never played in the first round the first leg it like um, as you said earlier my, my allergy to AstroTurf had started to flare up at that point in the season but uh, I mean the, the Gaffer I mean the Gaffer pulled me before the, the that Queen's game away and like we've, we've got all this kind of data and stuff and just says look um, I'm looking at your data for the, the games on the Astro compared to it he says and it's nowhere near it he says what are you think and I says, look, I, says I, don't, I says I hate it I says like it's I says it's no football for me I says, I'll do it, I'll play on it. I says, but I don't enjoy it. And at that point, obviously, Cons had sat on the bench for four or five weeks, was flying and training. He says, well, look, this, again, testament how strong the squad was. He says, look, Cons is ready to go in. He says, like, if you're, if you're happy to set it out, then I'll put Cons in. And uh, at that point, I've said, well, look, I, that's no problem. And obviously, when you come off and the guy that comes in scores a goal that wins a game, you're always thinking, I should maybe have just played. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, and then, kind of the week after that, we went to Partick and Jamie Robson had rolled his ankle and uh, the gaffer had pulled me during the week and uh, he started writing up like uh, Maldini, Alwyn, like, all these people that centre-backs that played left-back and that and he's like, what have they got in common? What have they got in common with you? And I was like, I have no idea. I said, but I'm pleased <laughs> they play left-back. He's like, what do you think about it? And he says, look, uh, again, I'm happy to play. And uh, played left back his party, and we won four one comfortable. But like I'm not a left back, like I'm a centre half, so 
it was, uh, and then we got into the cup, and again the gaffer pulled and says, "Look, Conley and Watson have played well the last two games. Robson's back fit. He's like, I'm going to go with them." So that ultimately cost me a place in the cup. But like the game, the boys, as the boys are saying, they played well. But I think the biggest thing for the boys in that game was the realization that that Hibs weren't that much better than them. I think in the build up and stuff, there was a there was a, just like Hibs are a Premiership team, and again the same as we've had all season. This will be a real test for them. We're really going to find their metal gear, and we're going to see the class and the difference in that. And, like it was almost made out as if, like, I mean, Jamie Robson's rapid, and it was made out as though when he came up against Martin Boyle, Martin Boyle would rip him apart and would just go, go past him. It was there. The reality is, Jamie Robson is fast enough to play in the Premiership, and I think it took a few of the boys, the younger ones that hadn't experienced that, to kind of see there's not that big a gap. Like we're not that far off it, and I think I think you saw a lot as Conzie said, a lot more of that confidence in the second game where boys had trained the whole week, knowing that we were actually not that far off it and we could score goals and we could more than compete and if we could make, get it right on the night and limit them then with a real chance so I think it, it done a lot though, although ultimately it kind of hampered or run a good forum with it, the kind of draw and then the defeat I think it done a lot for the confidence of the boys and just kind of bolstering them that they're not that far away from, from being competent players in the Premiership Shanks you, you started the game on fire there 10 minutes in you score talk us through the goal at Easter Road that was a good just Instinct really, I, I knew that this Pete Pollock played a good diagonal. I wanted it actually in behind, but he doped it a wee bit short and I just chested it. And it was just instinct to hit it, and thankfully enough, it flew in. But it was obviously a good start for us, and I think that did give a bit of confidence going on for there. But obviously, we I think it was a penalty just before half the game a wee bit. If we'd have got in it 1 0, it might have been a wee bit different. but and in terms of that, it goes on to not really matter because it goes for an RFE anyway. So it was one of the things. But as Reynolds said, I think probably getting the, the draw of the first game, it was maybe the, the fear of the unknown getting into the first game. You don't really know what you've got to face because you're not playing them every week and with confidence getting that. So it's just something we can take on to next year. Going from the, the good form that we were on, how frustrating was sort of February and March after the uh, you know the Morton draw the Hibs defeat and it kind of felt a wee bit of a grind some some games how did it feel as players? If you if you went back and watched the Morton game they literally didn't move 11 players off their 18 year box and I'm leaving exaggerating I had nowhere to go up front I, I was like I'm saying to the boys half time just don't even try and pass to me there's no point like there was no space whatsoever and it was one of the most frustrating games ever there was times where Corney was step, I think it was Butch stepping in for a half and they were literally 25 yards for goal. They, they could have had shots, etc. So when you play a team like that, there's there's no much you can do. You just need to keep grinding it out and then again we go, we go and get a, a last minute goal and it, it gets us a point and then the next day I think Inverness went on to no win or draw. They, whatever happened, it went our way again and we ended up a point further ahead. So it's just important they showed that season there if you keep putting points on the board whether it's draws or wins as long as you keep putting points up there you're going to end up in the right place at the end of it How frustrating is it for for you when we on that run especially when you are up there on your own and when the ball's no getting to you and sometimes your arms go up in the air and you do look frustrated is it just your, your will to win your will to be part of it and you're just no seeing much of the ball Well as a striker you, you want to be getting chances but in the, in the games, you, you accept it yourself. You know there's no much space, so it's hard for the boys to get the ball into you. know what I mean? It is, it is difficult, and especially in the games, that game, especially in Isabel or Broth. But it is tough, and when you get the chance, you just need to make sure you're there to take it, and, and thankfully enough, it, it 
came in the 92nd minute, I think, when I managed to score the header. So, as I said, as long as you're putting points on the board and you're grinding out results and you're no losing many, then you will end up in a good place. And we've got the, the two frustrating games, like you say, Arbroath and Alloa, but then Inverness at home on the Friday night in February, a 2-1 win. I think the Inverness defenders are probably still on the deck from it, but it was the win that we needed at that point. I think we knew that was the game that if we won that, it's just, we're kind of getting to that point where we're going to decide, you know, um, our season, you know, and I think, you know, like I said, it wasn't our best performance, but, you know, we managed to, you know, Shanks popped up with a great finish at the end and, you know, it was, it was, it was you know, it was another really important game for us, you know, and on a Friday night, you know, the atmosphere was good. I think it was raining really heavy and, you know, we had to deal with all those sort of stuff, but we ground it out, you know, Inverness are a direct side and we managed to soak up what they what they threw at us and you know by the end of it you could see on their faces that they they sort of perceived defeat and they kind of knew we knew after that game that we was getting you know really close to to finishing the league off. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of the external noise, sorry Mark, a lot of the external noise around about that time from the media and even punters like like ourselves, uh, we were convinced that the league was wrapped up. A lot of people were convinced. So how how difficult was it for you guys to not fall into that trap of thinking? Well, you were convinced in November the league was done. You no, said no, it on I was this podcast. After, uh, I was convinced after we beat Queen of the South in January. That's when I thought it's done. It's it's, it's difficult. I, I, I say I because I'm like trying to tell you when we go for our coffees. I'm negative, Nigel, when it comes to stuff. I always just say that we're well, a tough game or we haven't won the league and stuff. Um, but I think that Inverness game was a huge one. Um, I think the whole season up to that point was it's tough um, to win leagues and to do it. It's mentally draining, physically draining. And I think sometimes people forget we've got quite a young squad. Like even like like, like boys like Shanks is 24, McMullen's like 23, 20, 22, 23. Amy Robson's young, Liam Smith's young. Um, you are a lot of our team is young young boys and, and playing week in week out is difficult at that sort of level mentally um, and I think I think there's been a lot of pressure put onto them and us even us senior boys as well and I think I think that that Friday night against Inverness I think that was a big relief um, because we were just desperate to to win that game um, and there were times we didn't win games but like you said the media obviously the fans got frustrated at times um, which I can understand. But for us, we, we, we were probably the most frustrated. Um, we were desperate. We wanted to win every game. But we know that's it's very, very difficult to do. Um, and that's sort of we had in our plan. Like after the first game against Inverness, we thought we're not going to lose a game this season. Um, and then obviously as time goes on, you get injuries. Clarkie got injured. Jamie Robson got injured. Then Liam Smith's playing left back. And, and just a, a lot of things started changing, um, which was difficult. But again, I think the, the Inverness game for me on the Friday night, I think, we knew how much importance there was for that for us to get a result to make sure. I think, like I said, I think they were, I think it was if they won or something, they go 11 points with a game in hand or whatever. Um, and I think we knew that if we win that game, that was sort of, that was the nail in the coffin. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's just that. I think that me personally, that was a big game for us that, that Friday night. I think as well, sorry to jump on back, Ali, there was, a, there was a kind of shift in consciousness for us that, the whole season we've been saying that we just kind of took it one game at a time and we just keep it points to ball, we keep it points to ball and then it just felt like over kind of November, December time that we all of a sudden were just kind of like 16, 17 points clear and 
we kind of managed, it almost felt as though we just sneaked to that gap. Like nobody was really talking about how much you were extending it or how kind of dominant we really were. And then we only really kind of got the benefit of that into that kind of wee bit of a wobble. But I mean, like me, Cons, and Butch, and Shanks, the kind of most senior ones are changing. There was a kind of talk at, we were sitting at breakfast every morning and I was chatting that, and there was a kind of shift from just one game at a time to look, this is us to lose now. Like, we can't just keep saying, like, we're in the driving seat. We need to use that to our advantage. We can't just keep saying, no, one more game at this point. Like, we've got that lead now. And if we were to lose it from here, it would be the worst, I mean, the biggest capitulation in Scottish football. So we need to now accept that and step up and put that on our shoulders and just say, no, look, it's ours to win. Let's go and get it done as soon as we can. And, and as Con said, that in one game was really a kind of nail in the coffin to be like, no, look, that, that kind of just almost cements it. And, because I mean, it got to the stage where I think we only needed another two or three wins, and everybody else had to win the rest of their nine or ten. I think it was there was something I read somewhere them saying that the team below us would have to go and win more games than they won all season, and we only had to win yeah. three or four games. So there was, I mean, we, we'd done all the legwork, and it was just probably the hardest part, just getting over the line. But again, that Inverness game was huge for, for that. Teams also knew that as well that we only needed a few more wins to win the league, so then that gave them that extra extra sort of um, like a goal to, like a goal to basically stop us from doing it um, and when you come to that stage of the season you've been through all that with injuries with suspensions with whatever throughout the season and you get to that stage and they see that any two or three more wins we want to be the team we don't want to be the team that loses to them so it, it gets difficult um, but thankfully we've won, the, we've won the league now it doesn't really matter does it the last game on you go Lawrence when you're playing when you're playing the teams like you look at the table, Thistle, Cunha South, Alloa could have all went down. So a point against United is a huge result for the teams. Mm. Everybody else, everybody had something to play for. It was a point towards the playoffs, whether it was avoid going down, going for the right. Every game we played, probably after the Partick Thistle game, everybody had something to play for. So their game automatically lifted. I've been there, I've been an opposition player when you you go to Tannadice, if, if you get a point, you're happy. You know what I mean? That's the kind of place you're going to. You know the club as big as it is. That is the way the mentality teams are coming with. So the, the game automatically lifted and that is another test that I felt we, we did deal, deal with quite well. The last game that was played, Patrick Thistle at home, did anyone know that Dylan Powers had that in his locker? <laughs> Actually, I, I know what Cons is going to say. Yeah. No, go on, uh, before the game I think either in fact I'm going to just blame the kit man I don't know the kit man forgot his boots right shambles and uh, that'll probably be well internally before the season starts <laughs> but uh, then he studs to wear and he was looking for a pair of what's it size nines cons are nine and I think he usually wears Adidas he put kids on to us he's like an American Adidas sponsored athlete but we know he buys him out of sports soccer I've seen him the DW, DW Sports like a week before so he's like hey I'm sponsored by Adidas <laughs> but he uh, he had done these lucky boots and uh, Cons had said look I'm the same size he's like you can have these he's like but the only problem is there's goals in them like he says, so, he says if you score in them you still need to give them back you can't and that's not even a word to lie that is, that is that is the gospel that is the truth I'm not joking I said that you need to be careful whenever it comes to it because there's goals in that and then he says yeah, we'll see and then he scores that goal I'm not joking it was so funny it was a great finish <laughs> great finish the thing was in the set plays as well when the set play we were working on was we were to cross it in and Dylan was to make a late run and try and score and we just couldn't get it. And I said, I've said, Gordy, 
I was making a decoy run. I was like, God, they swap us to he's never scored a goal before. And he didn't <laughs> like it. He, I was being sarcastic, but he was a wee bit angry, so he brought it up. <laughs> My coffee and he brought it up, he wasn't happy. And then that was a Friday in training, wasn't it? Aye, <laughs> we went for a coffee. He brought it up, he was quite unhappy. I'd say that, and then I was getting on, but then <laughs> let that one rip. So it must have been all his anger. It was, it was a great finish. I haven't seen the boots since, I don't know where they are. He's probably hiding them or he's framed them or something. Dylan's a vegan as well, so he probably ate them. I was going to say Shanks as well. Didn't you put a thing on Instagram or something where you was casually just eating a pepper as if it was an apple? Yeah. We, went, we went out for a coffee one day and he just stood up. Like, it was in the Tesco on the other side. He just stood up and disappeared. And he just came back with a, a, like a family-sized packet of blueberries and a red pepper. And he just <laughs> munching it as if it was an apple. I was like, what are you doing? And he's sitting there offering he's sitting there offering me to want a pepper. And I'm looking at him thinking, no, I'm all right, mate. I'm off the, I'm off the moment like... Pepper, how, how did the, how does he settle in since he come in in January? Yeah, he's settled in. He's settling. He's settling good. He's a he's a he's a good guy. Um, he's a like like Reynolds has said. He's a vegan, so um, he, he likes eating different food to all of us. But he's a no, he's a good guy. He's um, he's he's embraced it really. His uh, him and his his wife now have moved over, so. Me and sort of Shank speak to him quite quite regularly, um, but yeah, he's up in the Highlands quite a lot before, and just like going on walks and stuff. So uh, now he's a good guy; he's enjoyed it. I think him and the two American lads, even Harps, they're, uh, they're good lads. The, the Americans are good guys, so yeah. I think yeah, I think as well. But with Ian more Dylan, but he does not get Scottish humour like the sarcasm or that. Like he doesn't get it at all. And there's just times you just seem looking at us like, as if, what is wrong with these guys? Like <laughs> why? Does just Totally, just not to comment off, and you just see Dylan thinking, "Why is he said that?" Like, you know what I mean, like, tagging <laughs> him for the goal. He's just thinking, like, "I like him. Why is he so horrible at me?" Like, he takes it that serious. I think, I think, I think with me, he, he hates it with me so much because, like, I, I really like him, but like, he comes in every day and he wears like totally different to what you would wear in Scotland or England or Ireland and he comes in and I just batter him every day and he's like <laughs> sometimes he, he sits right beside me and sometimes he'll be like hey man come on like what's going on that's an Australian <laughs> accent but um, but like he'd be like what's going on you know what I mean but I think he's gotten used to me now so sometimes like he actually probably changes what he wears now because he just can't be bothered listening to me giving him shit so <laughs> uh, He's got a pair of shock. He's got a pair of shocking grey tracky bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> there's someone else in this. There's someone else in this chat that's got them grey tracky bottoms that had a suit on earlier on. So <laughs> <laughs> this is when they were sponsored by Adidas from Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> when you when the uh, the season was coming to an end, how did you hear about the, the league ending? What were you guys doing? Where were you? What were you up to? What was happening? We were training. We were in. We had a game on the Saturday. I had the game on the Saturday, and uh, we we just trained, and uh, we just had heard rumblings on kind of Twitter and stuff and uh, social media that they were maybe going to call the league. And then I think somebody just saw on like left on an Instagram or a Twitter post or something, and they'd say that. And then five minutes later, the gaffer come in and just says, "Look, they've uh, they've cancelled the game at the weekend." He was quite like optimistic about it. Like uh, I don't know who he was getting these news for, but he's like, "Nah, it's fine." Well, uh, he says like, they'll cancel the game at the weekend. He's like, they might cancel next weekend. He's like, we've still got loads of time to play with. We'll just make the games up. 
And uh, so we took like the. I was quite worried about it, man. I was on like Defcon Five at this point. I was like, "Look, boys, this is, like, this is serious, man." Like, start talking up, and the guy's like, oh, "Actually, saying to me, he's like, look, don't let Reynolds scare you. This is not is the flu." I was like, "Apology, mate." I had my tinfoil hat on, just sitting there like, "Aye, you've been laughing in three months." And then I, he gave us a Saturday Sunday off. He's like. We'll reassess it on the Monday. And uh, obviously over that Saturday, Sunday, it was just like, I went into Butchies and we just bolted up his windows and just like walked the door. <laughs> crossbow out, mate. <laughs> got a crossbow. And then uh, to be fair, we just kind of got on, come in Monday and the gaff's like, look, this, uh, it's, it's getting pretty serious, but we just kind of see as it goes. And, and, and then, I can't remember what some of the boys will know the timeline better, but they kind of, it was optional with optional training kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because everything else had been stopped and he's like look um, you can come in and train like we can't force you to train but there'll be games and the training was brilliant like we trained Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday we come in and done like warm up we uh, boxes two in the middle and then just round robin games and it was like the standard was a joke it was brilliant like we just battered lumps to each other and then went home and then I think by the Wednesday he just kind of he just said no look I don't think this is going to happen we're going to have a few weeks off and that was about six years ago. <laughs> I mean, I remember it. I remember when it. I remember when he. When we stopped. I remember when he was playing about the Hingley, and I was like, my friend, you're my eyes, like I. I, I I'm now here. Uh, do, do, where were you when you heard about the leagues getting pulled, and we were officially then confirmed as as champions? Do you remember getting texts or messages or or whatever? I, uh, I I was up for a walk with my little girl. Uh, we live we live up in Lyft and there's like a little tree that we. She was climbing up the tree, but earlier on before we left, my brother texted me a screenshot from some news thing, and said, "Oh, we've won the or you have won the league," and I was like, "I I had got that many the past month or so that we've won the league, we've won the league, won the league." I just I was just texting back saying, "Whatever, mate, it's your miles off it." So, and then it was in the group chat. We just got, a, I think one of the boys actually said it's official. It came up from the SPFL that we had won the league. So I was, yeah, my, my little girl was climbing up a tree. And so I had, to, I had to wait there for about 40 minutes to try and get her down. She didn't care that we won the league. And so and my, my missus, I was trying to ring my missus, but she was on FaceTime to her sister. So we came in, came back down to the house about an hour later and told her we've won the league. And she went, oh, Really? So it was quite, it was quite weird. The whole, the whole situation was mad. So. Yeah, and it was it's so bittersweet as well. The way, the way it's done. It doesn't deflate the occasion any because it's you know we've not played out the games because I think as fans we definitely wanted to to it play out all the games. Don't let anybody like you. It was the worst way to win the league ever, and I'll never let you win another league like this ever again in my life. No, I agree. Ever like ever like we honestly like obviously the boys will as well. But I follow a lot of boys on social media that I've played with before down south and they're, and they're like this time last year and they're putting up pictures of when they won the league and I see videos of people celebrating and, and like and I know like people all over are saying about oh you won the league this way but generally as us as players it's, it's without a doubt the worst thing worst way to ever win it like even when we were supposed to the last game of the season against Sayre when it was supposed to happen a few weeks ago that was a tough day I was actually sitting at home thinking this is actually quite tough we should be celebrating with all our families, with our children, getting pictures, yeah. going around the pitch and enjoying it the right way. Um, and don't get me wrong, the circumstances, we understand the whole the whole pandemic at the moment. It's, it's terrible, but it is without a doubt the worst way to ever, ever win a league. 
in my opinion. <laughs> I, think as well, like, I think as well when when I actually got announced that we'd won it, it was like we got. I think we got a phone call with the Zoom that, and uh, then Sky Sports News were reporting like Dundee United are named champions, blah blah, but relegation and promotion has not been confirmed. You're thinking like what? So you're lying, oh, brilliant, we're up, are we? And then watch it, and then like I think 20 minutes later, they'd obviously phoned the SPFL and then come out with another statement saying, no, they're champions and they will be promoted. Blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, you just kept thinking, like, you just want confirmation. It was just like, until we've actually got the trophy in our hands, like, you just don't feel as though you can fully enjoy it. Because I mean, everything that's going on kind of with Scottish football now has been an absolute shambles. So it's just kind of, it was just like getting that absolute official notice. But I would say, because I, I mean, the thing for us, like, the best, I mean, I think when you speak to boys who finish playing, they say the biggest thing they miss is the changing them. And the biggest thing about winning is doing it with the fans and doing it with the boys. And I, we were absolutely robbed of that. So, I mean, the plan was to get promoted and we've done that. And I think we're all delighted for that. But it is just, it's just a hard one to take. And as Con said, like, we're in no way saying we're, we're in the worst case here because we're all healthy and fit and like, our families and that are all fine. And there's a lot worse going on in the world. But, I mean, we're, we're just saying, we're, we're, you still feel a wee bit annoyed at the fact that that's happened like that, but it's just, I suppose that's life. Isn't the, the media, the media, the media side didn't help it either because the amount of stories that were coming up and, and people say you don't read them and <clears throat> don't look into them, but it's, it's quite hard when your livelihood, when you've worked this hard all season to, to win the league, to put yourself in this position. If you haven't won a league before, this is a big moment for yourself, your family, your kids, um, and people were just putting up every day absolute nonsense of what's happening. Um, so now it's actually quite nice to sit back and, and the whole thing with the Premiership, what's happening up there, I've got absolutely, they can do it they want, I don't really care because we are, we, we've won our league and we know what's happening. But uh, it wasn't, it, it, for me, I, it wasn't a nice time. It was just a complete rubbish that was being put out all the time. It was it was hard not to not to look at it because our, 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 our whole season was sort of on the edge of someone's decision and what's going to happen, you know what I mean? So it was a difficult one for, for, for us as players, I felt. How was it? Mm. How was it to celebrate the title winning on Zoom? Because <laughs> we heard that the chairman that come on, and then it was left to you lot, is what Robbie that Nielsen told us. We got like winning trophies, and that doesn't happen that often in people's careers, as people tell you. So we got such a close knit group in the changing room, and I can say everybody was close. Like it was a team where you could give anybody a text, just knows if you only talk to certain people. Not I mean it was it was a really close close group and. That was probably the biggest thing, getting Rob Day he's celebrating properly with everybody because this is the time of football where people move on and obviously Watson, Osman and all that get announced last week that they've been moving on and that's a disappointing thing because to achieve something that we achieved and we'll be able to just have that, that wee celebration with the people that are going to be moving on, it's it's disappointing for them as well. I mean, we're obviously going to be there next year and we can maybe celebrate it one way or another when we're together but for boys moving on like, like Watson and that as I said it was it was hard for them and I did really feel for them I think yeah. it's real like, it was just at the end of the season it's just that release like when you, you won the league or when you're finished you're done and like you, you're just like, like I think most of us during the season you're like a coil spring like you're just constantly on edge you're just constantly focused on the next game on what's happening on training and just being in that top kind of condition to be as ready as you can be and I think when you get to the end of the season you can just kind of relax and I think we never got that kind of switch, that off switch and I think like Conte there just with the media stuff and all that's surrounding it, it took ages and it took you to kind of probably sit back and realise like I need to just kind of chill out here and just relax and like it was just so alien to what we were used to that, I mean it took me, it probably took me about last week before I actually started realising like I can just chill out here and just 
can enjoy actually doing nothing rather than just constantly waiting to see what's going to happen next. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it says, you know, Mark Reynolds title winning captain must sound pretty good. It does. I mean, it, it, obviously, when I, I dress myself like coming down for breakfast in the morning to my kids, like, <laughs> they obviously don't enjoy it as much. But no, it's, I, it's great. Like that's and that's kind of that's one of the reasons why I I, I came out like three years to Dundee United because. I wanted to win trophies. I wanted to be a captain that had won a trophy. And I mean, getting a picture with a trophy in my back garden is no one ideal, but I'm happy to set that up. And uh, Butch is <laughs> he, he can pop over the fence and just get the old fist pump. But uh, it's uh, no, it's great. I, and as I say, I mean, I done a like part of the reason why I'm wearing a Luminous t shirt. We've done a thing with the fans at the start of the season. After I think it was the game in the cup where we dropped out, and I think it was me Robson and that. And I wore a blue t shirt. and uh, I got absolute dog abuse for it, so I took that on board and, and uh, went to the opposite end of the spectrum. But like I say that, like I see this as, as a club that in the next four or five years is going to have success. Like, like we would get promoted, like we were confident we would be promoted, and we're confident we can go up into the Premiership and more than hold our own. And and again, the cup competitions, we've got players in, in a squad good enough to, to go and cause problems and and try and win a trophy. I think if you look at the kind of last ten years, teams that have won trophies, it's been quite evenly spread over. The seasons, I mean, Dundee United are celebrating their 10th anniversary of the Scottish Cup today, so they've done it, and there's no reason why this group of boys can't go and do that as well. So, no, it's exciting. But um, back to your original question, ah, it's great being called a cutter and captain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Callum, you, you mentioned when we were getting the back of the background, you know, it's your second time round. How different a club have you found this time? Oh, yeah, definitely. When I sort of arrived, obviously, I didn't kind of know what I was walking into. Um, obviously you speak to a few people but you don't really know what's going on at a certain club obviously I looked out for Dundee United results when you leave a club and obviously seeing they got relegated and they've been in that league for you know three and a half years or whatever it was and you know it's it, it's totally changed you know obviously from you know the scout he sort of provided for us you know the, the players and just just built a really good team you know that could could do well in the championship I did you know to get up and uh, you know, we brought in a lot of characters. Um, obviously, I remember signing. I think it was about like eight or nine of us signing the same day. I remember seeing Collins on the on the airplane and thinking, that was, I mean? was, that was fun. Like, that was that was funny. We we um, I was flying up from Gatwick, and obviously, Butch was flying up from Gatwick. We didn't know each other personally at the time, but we played against each other at, at Mansfield and stuff uh, throughout the years. So I seen him getting off to play, and I thought to myself, Ah, oh, where's he going to? <laughs> so we picked we picked up we picked up our bags. We walk like so. He's walking way over there. Like I'm sort of in the corner. I am trying to see who he's going to, and I've walked out. And the Robbie Nielsen standing there. So he was picking me up to bring me up to Tannadice and stuff. And then <laughs> Butch walked over to him as well. I just, so it was quite, it was quite funny. It. The two of us. Yeah, yeah the two of us no, going at the same time. It was mad that. And then we went in, and then about no, fifty-five more players arrived. That's it. I remember as well that first morning because we trained at Tannadice and it was like it was freezing. Like the the uh, they just redecorated the home changing room or whatever, and the, like it was like they painted everything black. It was like a dungeon. They they'd left the tunnel doors open, so it was freezing, and it was like emergency seat suit in the middle of the changing room. And they'd moved they moved other boys under contract into the middle on these like seats where there was no pegs, nothing for your gear, and put all the new signings round the side, like in all the booths and that. And I'm just, I remember thinking, like, what a way to start and build a team, like, team spirit, and it's just, like, us and them. And then I remember coming, I think I might have been called a book, and I was like, so where do we go for breakfast? He's like, nah, I just signed, like, I don't know. <laughs> we, had, 
Well, we got your name passed along. We had name tags on, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, we we've said it a few times on on the podcast about that that transfer window in the last few days. Well, it was just ridiculous because a lot of it we never seen it coming, and then all of a sudden it was so and so's linked, so and so's linked. You know, you know, you were getting the rumours and whatever, and then there was just this flood of names over a, over a couple of days, and you know, it, it must have just been like you say a, a bizarre thing. And like you say, Callum, you've you've come into a a different kind of dressing room as well and one that's now achieved success as well no of course you know coming in in the January like when we were spoken to it was you know one promotion this year you know it wasn't I can't remember at the time how many points we were behind Ross County but we was going to give the crowd as close as we could and you know we managed to get to the, the player final and obviously that was a disappointment you know, getting in January and six month period sort of set us up for set us up for going into pre-season I think we all we felt after the playoff game, obviously, there was a massive disappointment. We wanted to go up, but it kind of felt it was right to to build a team and obviously bring Shanks in was massive for us. You know, a goal scorer, we needed that. We kind of missed that in that little period going into the playoff games. And I, th- I, th- I felt we was, were obviously a lot more ready this year than we was last year um, in terms of, you know, club set up and player-wise. So, you know, everything think- seems to have worked out really well. I think I think for the club as well, I think it was a huge risk to sign that amount of players in January because you see, you find that at a lot of clubs every summer, 10, 15 players leave and then a new bunch of boys comes in and that always doesn't work. Um, but I must say, like, fair play to obviously Tony and the gaffer and these people behind the scenes that have, have, have signed the boys and they, I think it was, the biggest thing was the personnel and the personalities to sign. Um, he got, we got a good group boys everyone gets on together and um, we're all good friends um, and then in the summertime we needed to add a few more and you didn't want to sort of upset the the routine that we had of the group already and like obviously sending Shanks Liam Smith and these boys Dylan Powers and stuff they've added quality but they've also added good guys which I think I think I think it's been massive for the football club I think as well even if we also get Adrian's ball is I think a good, is a very good sign a very good player but like I was just, we always, and we always say that and we try and involve him as much as we can because it must be so hard as a young guy coming to a country where we are so ignorant. None of us speak like the language. Like, I'll let Bill put to You know, so you can Bill, speak it after a few beers. We've not got the heart to tell Bootsy he's learning French and Adrian's actually. <laughs> yeah, <good one. laughs> it's like, it, it'll, take, it'll take him a while. And I think as well, when he finally beds in and like he's learning the language, like, as again, there was a few boys trying to learn Spanish. I think he does he definitely does hate me because I only know how to say si bueno and I just say it to him every time I see him he told me how you in Spanish he just shakes his head at me but I mean he'll, he's another good player like that, that I think will come on and, and hopefully do well this season but it's just taking him that wee bit longer to, to settle in because again he's, it's the first time away from home and not like that he's kind of halfway around the world and he's not changing my guys that I, like, I don't Ian Hart speaks a, a wee bit of Spanish and uh, I mean, he's like a multi-linguist to the changing room, and uh, it's just uh, it just must be really difficult for him to try and get involved. But uh, again, he's getting better at his English. He's getting settled down, and I think he will be a, a big player for us hopefully next season as well. And Shanks, for you, your first season at United, better than you thought, or more than you ever thought? No, um, I knew what I was I was saying enough. And obviously, I'd played against the boys as I said the the last game near the end of the season and. United has beat us 2-1 and they were just a, a different 
do something different about them. And obviously, I knew I knew Reynolds and or Paul like Alex Smith. I knew our for before, so that was kind of kind of helpful. Well. But I feel like not just for myself, but for obviously Powers and all that coming in. It's it's a good place to come in. It was a good changing room. It was dead welcoming for the start, and um, I felt a part of it right away. So that helped me settle in, and then obviously the football takes care of itself. Um, Fortunately enough, as the boys said, I just kind of sat out, watched them day pre-season to make sure they were in a good condition, the same as me, and then I just joined them when the boss came back it. So we've also decided you can sit out every pre-season from now on if you want, not a problem. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> like see as well. Come on, mate. <laughs> see as well for uh, what signing Shanks. Like just to get on record and saying this, because every time I do a press conference, they say to me about Shanks, I always say. Must be like Long Strangland, he's unbelievable now. Like, I mean, what's that like for you playing with him at Aberdeen and now he's this good? As if, like, when he was at Aberdeen, he, he couldn't walk. You know what I mean? Like, he just couldn't kick a ball. Like, it was as if he was a terrible player. He was so lucky to be involved in a club at Aberdeen. But, like, and that's why, like, Shaq's was always a good player. He just never got his chance. And it's like, I just feel every time I get to a press conference, it's just like, as if this wee guy has just walked out and found, you know what I mean? A way to always unscore goals. Like he was doing it in training, he was scoring goals against good players every week. He was just unfortunate that he couldn't get a game and he went loan and it worked or it didn't. And then even as well, when he went loan and it worked, they kept him at Aberdeen and then they never played him. So he'd been better at not working and then maybe getting more game time elsewhere. But I just wanted to go on record to say how dis- disrespectful I say I find that question that I get asked every week. And it's like as if he's the lucky just went and rubbed a magic lamp somewhere and all of a sudden became a good player. It was just the mm. one that looked, uh, Brady chicken wraps and curly fries for my dinner every night. <laughs> 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 how did you uh, how did you find out about the Scotland call up by the way? Who called you? Who let you know? Um, it was only about five minutes before I, I found it. Um, the guy Frank that deals with all the stuff in the SFA, he texts me to let me know. So. Oh, that, was, that was a good surprise. And is it true you 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 wear the hat into training quite a lot? I wear it. I, I actually just took it off today because I joined my hair. But, uh, <laughs> he's, had the, he's had to cut the back of it so it fits him. <laughs> no, mine's took an extra few weeks to get made so it fits right round. But. Uh, but you know it's a, it's a massive achievement again you know no disrespect when people go on about oh he's in the championship whatever but when you score that goal, how did you feel scoring for Scotland? Um, it was great. Well, I mean, um, the the biggest thing for me was obviously it was my first my first trip with the, with the national team, and I, I wasn't expecting much for it. I was just looking to go and get involved, enjoy the training, and basically enjoy every minute. And then forty five minutes into the game in Russia, I, I get shouted on, nearly had to change my pants. Um, <laughs> But that was a that was a great experience to, to make my debut there. It, it, was, it was pretty special. Obviously, the last World Cup final being played in that stadium, and when I got sent to warm up just near the end of the first half, I was thinking, what a place this would be to, to make your international debut. And thankfully enough, it did happen. And then obviously, you start the game at, at Hamden. It was it was quite surreal because that's where I started my career with Queens Park, and that's where I made my debut. So it was kind of like full circle in a way. And it was it was great for me, but it was really good for my family. And that I mean, all of them were there and. It was just good to see them so happy when I scored. I it was good for us as well as players. We we were all like proud dads at home whenever when I, whenever I seen him coming on in Russia, I was like texting, "Oh my God, Lawrence is on the pitch. He's coming on, <laughs> he's coming on." But the, yeah, I think that his first few touches, I was thinking, "Oh my God, this is incredible." I think he played. 
That was the best I've ever seen him play. That first that <laughs> ten minutes, that ten minutes for Russia was the best he'd ever played. Man. I just was, I went straight on to him, just battering the end of it. Said like, can't believe Shaka's going yeah. on. I was like, leave my own. He's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Lawrence. That's our Lawrence. Talk about leave my own. What, what, was it quite surreal for, for like you three to to watch him? You know, he's, he's been in the changing room with you guys all season, and then he's t- he's turning up and playing for Scotland. It must have been quite a. I mean, Good moment. It was tough for me. I mean, obviously, I was at Aberdeen when he was rubbish and couldn't he? Couldn't he <laughs> 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 no, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was mad. I, I find it. I find it mad because like, we're obviously we're all like a tight group and we're all texting each other. But just getting that feeling of of seeing him, seeing him, even walking, even walking in the tunnel and stuff, it was quite surreal. Um, I think it's what an achievement to play in the championship. Um, for for Dundee United and, and get called up for for Scotland is is incredible. is is an achievement. Whatever happens from there on is is something that he can take with for the rest of his life. But um, obviously, who he scored a goal with, uh, he, he very rarely sees who he scored the goal against. If it was Holland or Belgium or something, he'd be talking about it all the time. But I don't really know who he scored against. Who was it he scored against? A goal is a goal. <laughs> goal is a goal. I, I tell you something. There was a, there was first team training with. Uh, like the community trust kids and that that were there uh, a couple of days after the the game when when Lund scored against Holland or Germany or whoever it was, and uh, I can remember that you guys were waiting to come on for the second hour, and uh, it was good that you were not allowing Lund to get a big head because he was he were ripping the piss out of him for whatever reason, and then any time when when you went to go on the pitch when the first class was coming off and you guys were going on it was like a swarm of piranhas around Lund. You could not move for everybody who wanted a picture, and like, no disrespect, but most of the other guys were just able to go about on their way because the new national anyway, hero was. There. We were happy with that. We were sort of covering ourselves. We didn't want anyone to see us, you know. We <laughs> give him, give, give Shanks the limelight. Let him have his little moment, and then we can uh, get back to it. I tell you, there was one moment as well, and just towards the end, because of the the pandemic and everything that's going on. But uh, Louis Apere getting the call up to the twenty ones, which was fully deserved in our eyes, and uh, gutted for him that he never got to to get with that squad. But it's been an incredible transformation for a player that we've discussed it so many times. That last year out on loan to the juniors and come back, and I think it was when Robbie Nielsen was on. He said in pre season it was like a new man had. had come back and you three will know that we saw him last year possibly uh, but what a transformation in that kid I think, I think the biggest thing was like, like the, the first six months he, he wasn't really on MD's radar like we never really you know what I mean he wasn't as if it was like he was in and out training I mean there's young boys like we Logan Charles even Deco for it alone like the kid would be Ross Graham uh, Lewis Nielsen like they're kind of guys that are being in and about it whereas um, Louis wasn't really even kind of involved or like of a player that you think oh, he's maybe got a bit or, and then he just as you say it was almost like a new sign he just come back this season and was like like and he's like an, he's an absolute athletic freak as well like he's a man, man like he, he I really want to know what he done that summer I really do yeah I don't, I don't know what he done but I'm not convinced he, he literally he, I don't know he trained us a few times but you would never have actually passed any remarks on what he was doing because he just wasn't at that level um, in training but then he came back and I remember the first day in pre-season we were doing a run and honestly I think it took everyone about five minutes I think he'd done it about 33 seconds he was just absolutely flying around the, he was like literally incredible and then in training he was holding people off he's come back he's huge he's a big boy um, but whatever he's doing in the summer I've been ringing him and texting him the past few weeks to find out what he'd done that summer but he won't get back to me. 
Yeah, his confidence from from that preseason definitely. Like the first day when he came in, he's you know, like Con said, he's running and stuff like that. He's, he's built his confidence from that, and I think I think he needed that. He needed that confidence boost, and like a lot of young players do coming through, they need that that little bit. You know, and the gaffer gave him that. You know, you know, been good to him, and he's you know nurtured it a little bit, and and you know, Louis done great this season. Actually. I'm really proud of the season he's had. I think as well. I think as well for Louis, it's not easy in that team, but it's, it's, it's easier to kind of grow and blossom like he's done when you're playing with and underneath a guy like Shanks who is taking all the headline. And I mean, it's no easy task being the guy that's constantly going to have to score the goals and everybody's constantly talking about. It. And Louis managed to win. I mean, if we didn't have Shanks the team, most people wouldn't even talk about Louis, but this kid that came from nowhere and scoring goals, scoring derby goals, and like every week getting his call up and where he came from the juniors. And he, he managed to kind of do that a wee bit in the kind of in the shadow and, and not really get so much pressure, which is for me is always a lot easier. But no, he's it's, it's unbelievable for season and with a cap off where we're twenty ones cap and I'm sure he'll come back next season and, and I'm not looking forward to seeing what shape he comes back pre season in because I can't really run the left myself. <laughs> the squad being younger, like I'm the only guy in that squad born in the eighties. The rest of them are born nineties and above. Like it's just like it's crazy. I'm, I'm just, it's funny though, with the running. See, whenever you see Louis, if you ever see Louis beside you, you start just taking a step away to go as far away as you can whenever there's any running. Because I'm not joking, he's an absolute machine when it comes to running. <laughs> like one, he's, up, he's up there with one of the fittest guys I've ever I've ever seen. So, I'm assuming when the running's happening there. though, when the running's happening, Shanklin's on the sidelines because he doesn't do the running, does he? To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, as well, Shanks is a good runner. It's me, me, Reynolds, and Bodge. We sort of keep we just cheer the boys on from behind, <laughs> just get them going. You know, for moral support, we just keep them going. Yeah. We just at the back shout, No gold medals in pre season. Obviously, we're saying about Louis, but I was different. I came in and obviously didn't know what they'd, they'd seen about him before, but I came in and seen this absolute unit of boy. Absolute biceps, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> he's just got the physique, the look, he's a football player." And I think the thing is, with him, he's he's level-headed. You know, it would have been great for him to go and experience that. As I said, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll definitely get more caps. But it'd have been great for him to go and experience. But he's come in this year, and he's done great. And the thing is, he's willing to learn. He doesn't get carried away with himself. He's he's quite quiet and reserved, and that's probably the downfall. We need to get him out of his shell a wee bit and start getting him involved a lot more. But that that will come with ages. He gets a wee bit older, he'll start being a wee bit more, more chirpy, hopefully. But if he keeps progressing, he's got a lot to learn and he's willing to. So that's the main thing. And he will go on and have a good career, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure, I think uh, Lee McCulloch said he took a wee shine to him. So he'll probably be elbowing boys left, right and centre. Oh, it's, it's Jake. Oh. It's, it's Jake. That's Jake's son. Jake's son. Before we get into throwing some teammates under the bus to finish off, um, what is life like for for footballers that are no training or whatever? What's your how is your day to day? How are you ticking yourself over? What are you guys up to at the moment? I'm to be fair with with the. With the, with the kids, it's uh, it's difficult with the kids. At the start, at the start, whenever we got three weeks sort of call, it was locked down for three weeks. It was it was kind of something new. So you you talk to it, you're like, all right, let's do it, let's do it for three weeks. We'll we'll teach them how to cycle the bike. We'll do this, we'll do that. Then another three weeks, we're like, right, we'll do a wee bit more. Now it's starting to get to a point where 
<laughs> you're starting to argue about everything all the time. Um, so it's, it's it's getting quite difficult now. I'm hoping I'm hoping it's going to ease very very soon. Yeah, I've got I've got two kids as well. Like my youngest is four, and my oldest is seven. He's eight and hugging eight. So, but my oldest is at school. My youngest should be starting school, and he wants to do school work with his brother. So, I've got a home school, which if anybody else has got kids, know it is an absolute nightmare. And uh, the attention span is like I don't know whose attention span shorter, mine's or theirs. And uh, just just I'd like I'm not a teacher. I've never, never learned how to teach people. I don't know the way to get things across. And, if they don't understand the way I'm taking it, we just end up falling out, and, <laughs> and it's just shambles. And it's got and it, like, and then it's got this stage where I'm just like, right, we'll do it. I'll get if you do 20 minutes of sparing, I'll let you on Fortnite. If you do 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I'll let you on Fortnite if we get longer. And then, bravery. So, just kids. Just kids. If you can spell your name, I'll give you a <laughs> And then it's got. <laughs> I mean, at the start of lockdown, we're just doing like sparing and that, and now it's got this stage where, like this morning, we taught them how to shave. Um, <laughs> I don't know but then uh, we'll just try to get them um, uh, if this goes any longer Callum how's your thoughts going I cannot wait for you to have all this head here mate <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I've, I've, you know first two weeks like Con said was tough you know I've kind of got used to it now you know I've got a little routine go for walks and you know just run the kids like dogs and then just come home <laughs> and put to bed really it's kind of like what we're doing now uh, and no, I've, I've got used to it and you know, obviously looking forward to getting back, not back to pre-season, but looking forward to getting back to the games and, uh, you know, getting, being around the boys on a daily basis. What's your kind of, you just, uh, you guys following your own sort of plan just to tick yourself over and are you fed up looking at the spin bike or are you getting frustrated? We've got, we got a plan out because uh, we've got a plan out at the start of the season. We've not been really in contact with the club. Um, so we've got a plan out kind of start the season. We've just kind of loosely been following, but... Like, like that's what I'm saying I mean I can speak and I used to hear older guys speaking like back when I was a young boy and I am now that guy that's speaking like that back when I started playing and it was like throw up and Conley Conley might have just caught like one season at like back when I was like 17, 18 like 1965 there was just, <laughs> it was like boys would come back an absolute mess for pre-season like boys would come back like with a belly like had literally like I used to remember hearing senior pros saying like oh get blisters like <laughs> All I've, wore, all I've wore for pre-season is flip-flops. Like, so their feet are just not used to wearing boots and they've got blisters and that. And like, it would take like three... And, and the thing, pre-season was like eight, nine, ten weeks. Whereas now, nobody really comes off it. Like, boys come back in very good condition. So it's like you don't really... Well, the boys will look after themselves. And especially in the lockdown, boys, I think, are enjoying going out and just doing a wee bit. And, and try, like that was the thing as well. Like, a few of were texting, like, Boys posting doing half marathon that when the government are telling you they're allowed to do it for one hour and somebody's putting their, their best half marathon is two hours five minutes. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> not like to come out of crime with you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lawrence, you know, apart from the chicken wraps, uh, Connolly just mentioned it as well. Have you are you tapping these boys up for father advice for when the day comes for you? I've not mentioned it yet. I've been kind of batting it off, but obviously, um, girlfriend, she's. She's 20 weeks a day, actually, so halfway there. Congratulations. It's fine. And, um, all, the, all the best, mate. <laughs> I know. From what I've heard, it's not going to be a great experience, so... <laughs> hardest job in the world. <laughs> nah, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Obviously, um, it's a great thing, and both of us are quite happy, so... She's just amazed with her belly every day. She just keeps holding her t-shirt looking at it and then going, look, it's getting bigger. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's the hands when you're pregnant. You actually 
He's compared, he's compared bellies like you mocked him. You threw me some hollow belly like, whoa, what's getting Look what these corny fries are doing. <laughs> The fine diet of the professional footballer. Right, uh, right. finish off. Uh, we've got some questions just to basically throw some teammates under the bus and see what happens. So we'll we'll go around, we'll ask a question and then we'll move on. Mark Reynolds, we'll start with you. Who is the best footballer at United? Best footballer? Apart, obviously, apart from me. Um, I'll take myself out for fairness sake. I would think so. The best footballer? That's a... It was Stanton, but he left. Aye, Stanton. Aye. Stanton. I was going to be my one. Stanton's nickname at Dundee United was a wizard. Like, Stanton, like, my ball at his feet was unbelievable. Again, a player that left us in January, and I think was more kind of the club helping him out and letting him go. A good opportunity he got in America for a kind of chance at a different career. But aye, Stanton was an absolute wizard, like, with the ball at his feet. Um, and I and everybody else pulls in comparison to, to Stanton. Um, so if me, if you don't get me and you know about stance, I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm gonna get with Mr. Lawn Shankland with his two caps. Like I think most goals the hard, the hardest thing to do in football is score goals. So for me, football is scoring goals. Like me and Cons and Butch, you're sitting talking to three destroyers who just want to wreck things and make the good guys not look as good. So I like Shank scores goals. And I think as we said when he went and played day two games for Scotland, I think the biggest thing that came out of that was everything kind of appreciating it, how good a football player he actually is and he's not just goals like he, he works hard he, he links the ball he links up the play like he's got good touches he's, he's, got, he's an intelligent player so he's uh, I, I'll, I'll go with Shanks and I think I think that is everything he wrote down in the text to me to say Shanks I'll move to you who is hard as nails who's the hardest player um, in terms of like in training, if there's two people you don't really about, well, Butch isn't as bad in training, but Conley in training is horrendous. He just <laughs> ends in scabby knees and studs and everything. <laughs> scabby, man. In terms of the tackling, probably an eight to the But if I was, if it was fighting, I would win. <laughs> <laughs> Callum, who's the kit man's nightmare? Me. <laughs> 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 No, as I'm still behind that, we won't go into that. But uh, no, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, it's, yeah, probably, probably would say me actually. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a few casualties. What, what about Peter Paul at these stocks? What they are, but well, he's cutting them. Yeah, I think, he, I think they're too tight for his calves or something, aren't they? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah he's got big calves. Is it him or is it the, the kit man that's got to cut them though? <laughs> Does he do that himself? He's, Pete's got a guy. Pete's got a guy that comes in and cuts them. Just before the game, he's got paid too much. He's actually the only person not in follow at the club. So, Callum's picking himself for that. Uh, Mark Conley, who's the best dancer? Who's got the moves on the night? Who had the most moves on that Zoom call? I can't remember, I couldn't see anyone. Um, (laughs) Who's the best dancer? Go, I'm I'm gonna gonna say, oh no, Clarky, Clarky, Nicky Clark's a very good dancer. Yeah, Nicky Clark's a very, very good dancer. So yes, yeah, Did you ever see his Instagram story when he was photographed by Louise Redner? Yeah, do we see the uh, story? Stop talking about it. By the way, 
By the way, how good's photoshopping? It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think as well? See oh, the thing with that? Up. He was away because he was down. It was at London when he was injured. And he obviously it was on his Instagram. We all seen it. And uh, the good teammates we had a meeting and just says, nobody mentioned that to Clarkie. Do not mention that he met up. Like, <laughs> do not bring it up. Just Dust ask, just him, ask him nothing about his weekend. And he literally is like, Brett's like, aye, good weekend. He's like, aye, isn't it? Oh, something else. Like, aye, just do it. And then, aye. And then, I think about five, he's like, aye, so I met Louise Redner. Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, kept, he, kept, he kept calling her Redders. I was thinking, all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Best mate, said. So, Nicky Clark gets that. Uh, Mark Reynolds, back to you. <laughs> Who's the dressing room DJ? Who picks the tunes? Because there's always tunes blasting out of that dressing room. It's usually Clarky that's got the music on. I think Louise Redknapp sends him like mixtapes and stuff. <laughs> so, like, Clarky's usually got the music on, to be fair. Um, I, so Benji thinks he can. Benji thinks I, he yeah, can. Benji. But then we can't understand it. We can't understand the, the language barrier and stuff. That was, part, that was part of the reason why I scored that OG, so he didn't get that record, just because <laughs> music shopping as well. What kind of tunes is Nicky Clark putting on? A bit of friend, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, he, he drops messages to people and see what they like in that. But his music's like, and the thing is, I can usually never find it. Like, um, on, so I don't know. I think he, he does it. I think he does it. But I'm just going to throw there. He does a bit of DJing and he's part time. He's got decks and that at his house. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see how far that will carry. Aye, so Clark is a uh, is a part time DJ. Um, he goes down to London and DJ. does it on a big club. Louise Red and that guy. So I know. I don't know. You know that. Aye, he's no better. <laughs> uh, Lawrence, who's the most vain? Who spends too much time in the mirror? We think we know who you're going to pick. So, um, Reynolds here does take a bit of fixing. He uses the rake, so he does. <laughs> this is photoshopped. I photoshopped it on the day just so it's, this, it's perfect. Who's too, who's too busy checking themselves out in the mirror? Who's taking too much time after the shower at training or a game or whatever? To be fair, I spend a wee bit of time because my hair takes a good bit of manoeuvring and hairspray. <laughs> right, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say Hearts because he's got lovely locks, so we'll just say him. <sighs> we thought it'd be Big Benji. We thought Benji, yeah. <laughs> no, because we get Benji, uh, Benji Pelters on this. Benji's a great big guy. But, he's, uh, yeah. anyway. but he loves himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with, uh, well, the heart's hair will take a lot to maintain, I suppose. Uh, Callum, who's the best dresser? Who's the best? Who turns out turns himself out the best? I forgive it, just not because he's my castle mate, but Reynolds, honestly, his style is fantastic. In the morning, the effort that goes into that car is second to none, mate. Oh, yeah. Tell him, tell him about your <laughs> two bottoms, mate. Also, also, I've bought during lockdown. I bought four hats because I'm adding that to my, my wardrobe next season. So be prepared. Oh, right. No, to be fair, I, t- I tell you, I, was, I think Watson has a right uh, on the Christmas. Day, Watson went to a different level. Um, never seen anyone come out like that, and, and he pulls it off. So fair play to him. But Robson, Robson right likes Robson likes a little bit of designer stuff, so he does. It's, Robson it's just goes it's the dinosaur. it's not enough yeah I think it's Mrs I think Holly I think Holly dresses Robson to be fair yeah I do I mean. well, you're wearing that today Connell you can take the opposite then who's got the worst gear <laughs> 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 I 
No, I'm not, I'm not going to go for anyone on this screen. I, I honestly, I love the guy. He's an absolute <laughs> gentleman. He's a great, great person. Um, but it has to be Dylan Powers. He's, he's <laughs> best heads, honestly. Boot, boot co- combats are back in style. He's got a reversible jacket. Honestly, it's 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 something else. But you know what? This is what he, where he's from. He's from a different culture. He's from a different. He's from a different background. So I'm not going to say too much because he'll probably ring me and go crazy. But uh, now nah, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan's dress sense is a wee bit is a wee bit quirky, like. Uh... Reynolds, who is the grumpiest in the squad? Who's Mr. Grumpy? Who's the biggest moaner? Call it whatever you like, really. Who moans the most? If I like a moan, I'm all day. Uh, Rooch likes a moan. To be fair, <laughs> it takes 45 minutes, 50 minutes to get from where we stay in Dundee and Aiton Andrews. And I'm going to say we moan for a good... We moan for <laughs> five minutes. We probably get parked up and moan for an hour. Big Cammy and Oz must hate us. They really yeah. must hate us. <laughs> we just sit there and just moan our way. It's not a nice task, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed not being in it for the last four or five weeks. Just, yeah. Just getting to the bridge. And I like, think you bring me down a little. You bring me down with your moaning, so I'm just trying to use it. Right, we get it, once we get it all out, we get it all out. Yeah. Bond likes a moan as well, so does Shanks. Oh, Bond likes a moan. I do like moaning. We moan? We ボーボーおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいおいお
are any is there, are any players doing their coaching badges just now? No. Well,あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
And do, do you collect them? Is it weekly, monthly? Does it just go into a big pot to enjoy? I because into just any enough. We've got a, a secret stash that just we put away, and then I, I, think, I think we might go contactless next year. Uh, uh, possibly, uh, possibly, uh, possibly PayPal, but we don't actually move them with the time. <laughs> we have a, an online <laughs> PayPal account that we're going to just go because the amount of boys that say I don't have cash on me, I can't pay, so we're going to set up a PayPal, and that, that means we've also got a, a trace of where it's going because with, with a feeling that boys are dipping in when they needed a, a spare 10 or 20 quid to pay for stuff. That, they were just helping themselves. So, um, I the fines. I there's a lot. There's a lot of joy for the fines and a lot of uh, goings on with the fines. I say we, we do. We spin the wheels. The fines get. You can get the fine every week, and then you get. The, we spin the wheel on the Friday morning before the game or the day before a game. Um, if it was a Friday or a Saturday, and uh, the boys spin the wheel. And, and there's things in the wheel like it got ridiculous. There was there was numbers in the wheel like you spin the wheel and everybody has to pay a tenner or everybody has to pay five pound or odd numbers. And it, it was like weeks. Oh, like, the boys we got for like a fine like boys like would have done nothing wrong the full week like Benji like used to never do anything wrong like he would and if he paid a fine he would moan the life of you that he would just say Benji forget about it mate it's fine and uh, he would put that mean like having done nothing wrong like went out his way to make sure he was coming out of that and he'd be down like 80 quid like, come on I mean like raging and it's and then you so you, once you get the fine the totals have got on the wall and you had to the fall one. So the next time the wheel was spun, you had to have your fine pay that it doubled. <laughs> and the kitty's done pretty well, as Butch said this year. It's done all right. Yeah, yeah. Got, his, got his, um, well, That TV's <laughs> really nice in the <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, like I say, hopefully you get around to, to doing it. Uh, just a couple more. Shanks, who's the messiest player around the place? Who's just leaving their stuff everywhere? And probably getting a fine for it as well. <laughs> a lot of boys who I can't really point them out, but <clears throat> who take their soggies off in the shiver and just leave them there. Can't don't have the ability to pick them up and put them in the, the basket for the kit men. But I don't think there's any, I don't think any of these too bad. Most of the boys are, are trying to help out those big buckets and that for the kit and you all know where to put your flip flops and boots. So most mm. of the boys are good. Aye. Uh final one, it's felt you, Callum. Who is the teacher's pet? Uh, <laughs> he's asking, he's asking <laughs> the teacher's best. I'm not sure who it is. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'll probably give it to Shanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Shanks. So, uh, no, I don't think the guy found it. I think uh, you pass, I think you pass that one in the four days and we'll get a consensus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, can, <laughs> you can all answer it individually <laughs> if you like. Yeah, I don't think it's, I think it's no one in the dressing room. I think it's quite, uh, quite equal. All right, uh, that's a diplomatic answer if I've ever got one. Uh, gents, listen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for uh, giving up a good couple of hours to talk about a nonsense with us and look back at the season. And hopefully we will get that day in the sun to, to celebrate and get that, you know, with you guys and all the fans there as well. And I suppose the... For everything that we're going through, it's getting on to uh, to next season. And just a final one. Uh, overall, the the aims when we get going for the 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 Premiership. What would you what would you be expecting? What you're hoping or what you're looking forward to? First objective: stay in the league. Second objective: top six, and then third objective: getting to Europe. That is that is all it can be. Like just get safe in the league, and then we can look up for there. That is it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'd like a new cat. Got some more fine. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I and I and I want thirty goals off Shanks. 
I've seen lesser. I've seen lesser players do it. So I, I'll be happy. I'll always help him with like none as the same as this. <laughs> Connolly's got to ride a horse in it. Queen, it doesn't kind of do it at Queen of the South again, though. But uh. absolutely, no. I don't want to go back to Queen of the South for a very long time. Uh, no, I just I, I agree with Shanks. I think we've got to make sure that we we stay up in the league. Um, I think that's the priority first, and then we look at top six and, and getting into Europe. But the main main objective is is we're back in the league after four years. We need to make sure we stay there, and that's the that's the priority. I understand we're. We're a, we're a big club in Scotland, but we need to um, earn a right to be back in the in the Premiership, and and I'm, I'm sure we will. And um, with the players and with the way the, the clubs go and the direction the clubs go, and I think we will get there. But I think we need to make sure that we understand our position at first. How much is it going to change things for you guys on a Saturday if, as looks likely, uh, like the fans are not going to be in the ground for a good few months? I mean, yeah. obviously, personally, I don't know, I'm, no, I'm no big fan of watching football on the TV if it's one of these closed-door games or whatever. But uh, to know that I live like a mile away from Tanadice and you guys are going to be playing and I can't even go and see it, you know, from a fan's point of view, that's a nightmare. Even if even if they, they strike some sort of deal on Arab Zone or, or they could put it on TV at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, but how is it going to affect the actual players that are going to have to take part in the game? I think it's going to be very strange. I think mentally it's going to be totally different you know the build up to games will be different and knowing that the fans aren't going to be there it's going to, it's going to be mentally tough I, I think um, you know, at certain points of the game the fans sort of like who are you on and uh, obviously if, you, if we're not going to have that it's going to be strange but it's something we're going to have to overcome if, if that is the situation um, and I'm, you know I'm sure we will yeah. I think there'll be I think there'll be some if there is behind closed doors I think there'll be some mad results I think I think the whole the whole thing changes with with no fans like Celtic and Rangers when you're playing against these teams when there's no fans it's a it's a totally different it's a totally different game um, yeah. so I, I think it's I, listen I, I don't I don't want that I don't want it to be that way um, but if it, if it happens and it means we can get football back and hopefully hopefully we can sort of sort out some TV thing but I, I'm fingers crossed we can get a vaccine in the next few months and we can all get back to the football but I, I, yeah. I, well, failing that, myself and Ron would like to offer our services for uh, Peter Pollitt's shock cutters just for an essential <laughs> worker. Just, just to get us in the ground on match day, that would be fantastic. Unless you still want a match day announcer that forgets to play the music and doesn't announce the opposition goal scorers. I'm in. <laughs> oh, you, finally, before he is goal, lads, uh, you were all meant to be in Vegas just now. So, so was that. Completely, yeah. So were you, huh? I'm the only person on this that wasn't meant to be in Vegas. Uh, how much of a blow is that? Oh, I've just got over that, to be honest with you. Yeah, just well, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's going so well and then that gets brought yeah. up. I want to switch because I want to come off this right now. <laughs> um, no, that was difficult. That was because we had planned, we planned obviously as a team that that was our goal as well. The, the, the club had sort of said that this is, if we if we achieve promotion, this is what, what the club would do for us and and uh, that was in the back of our minds the whole way, whole way through. And then obviously we get promoted. We're sort of looking forward to it. And then when it doesn't happen, Shanks, <laughs> Shanks has still got his passport there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been difficult to be honest. Well, Reynolds doesn't drink, so it's probably not too bad for him. But the other boys that would drink and stuff, it might have been a wee bit difficult. But um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's tough because I think we were supposed to fly last Thursday. We would have been back probably a few days ago. So yeah, it's a, a nightmare. A nightmare. 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 But we'll, we'll, next season, we'll probably go to Benidorm or something. So we'll <laughs> yeah. pick, up for, 
we'll make up for it. Well, there you have it. Uh, who would have thought that we would have got four players on on our wee podcast? At once. At once. Many, many, many weeks ago when we started this, it was absolutely fantastic to speak to them. And it was a little bit different. Like myself and Ron, we're far from being uh, proper journalists. We just ask some questions that we think will be interesting and then we usually hear but we're laughing a joke with these guys. And uh, to have to have Reynolds on, especially when he shows up in a, a tuxedo, a bonny white shirt, a Kelly bow, and a pair of Adidas trackies. I mean, he was like the ginger James Bond. He was dressed to impress, and he, he certainly did impress. And uh, Sir Lawrence of Shanklinshire, he looked like he was still in his bed, if I'm being honest. Uh, the English Davy Bowman, Callum Butcher, he was good value. Although you had to do a double take when he saw the ginger James Bond on uh, the Zoom call. And uh, Mark the Rhinestone Cowboy Connolly, he was forever leaving the, the Zoom meeting because I think the Burns were kicking off in the background. But it was really, really good fun speaking to the boys. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. And uh, Christ, it made my day on Friday when we got to speak to them, Ron. Yeah, and as always, you know, the current situation, you know, we're doing these over Zoom and, and whatever. So there's always little bits of audio and stuff that kind of maybe will come and go, but we appreciate your patience and putting up when it does kind of go now and again. There's there's nothing really we can, we can do about it, but, you know, Great value from them. They were happy to talk about how they come come to United and stuff. They then rip into Shanks for, you know, I'm calling him the hell, he's my mate. And, uh, you know, turning up for pre-season for four days and not doing anything. And then finally... Watching dude, it. Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, about Dylan Powers and the boots. I don't think anyone knows that Mark Connolly's, Mark, you know, goals in them. There's goals in them, <laughs> as, as they said. And, you know, and... They were very open and honest, and and you know, like Paul said, it's we try to just really have a chat more than more than anything, and you know, uh, one of the big things. And it would have been probably too obvious for her to to go right at at Lauren Shanklin and say, are "You staying? Are you staying?" The way he talks, he doesn't mm-hmm. talk. Like he's going any place. No, you know, his prediction. He couldn't, he couldn't have answered the yeah. He couldn't have answered that question any quicker. You mm. know, he's obviously thought about it, and it's it's obviously what he wants survival. Then we're assured of that. We'll go top six. We'll get there. Then we'll look to Europe. It was like it was a, almost a prepared answer, but uh, yeah, he gave he gave nothing away as if to suggest that he's he's want to leave anytime soon. And for anyone who do the you're letting your kids listen to it and whatever else, and uh, you hear about the star strikers diet. I think he was joking. Hey, if that's what he's eating and getting the goals, that's fine. <laughs> you know, and it just, again, you could see that, you know, from the changing room that has been built and what they've got, there's a good camaraderie in there. They're clearly, I mean, imagine being in that car on a Monday morning after a defeat with Reynolds and Butcher. Abdi just moaning. That <laughs> nightmare. But thank you very much to the players for, for giving up their time and, you know, to, to speak to us. You know, I know they've not got much better to do, but, you know, you, you, you don't have to spend that long speaking to us. But we do appreciate it. And uh, apologies again to Lauren Shankland for making him late for his next Zoom call or That's work out or whatever he was doing. <laughs> but I was late for my works quiz as well, right? So I turned up in the works quiz about 20 past four. Uh, and just dived right in and answered it. So basically, for our works quiz, everyone does five questions. Uh, it depends how many's on it, but it was, it was about 70, right? I still didn't finish last. 
That's pretty good going, that. Only, but I bought him. Bought him. Well, bought him. I ain't done it by a point, but anyway. Right, let's, final final bit of business. On this day, in association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006. Four games this week. There may be tears. And a birthday. There may be rage. That's all I'm saying, right? We start in 1951. We beat Brecon 6-1 in the Share Cup semi-final. Three goals in nine first half minutes put the game to bed. Peter Mackay got three, David Kennell a double, and George Grant also scored. We move on. A milestone was reached in Scottish football in 1985. Hamden Park hosted the 100th Scottish Cup final. Mm. <laughs> Although the first final had taken place in 1974, the competition had not been played during the First and Second World Wars. It was United's third Scottish Cup final having knocked the holders Aberdeen out in the semi-final replay at Tyne Castle. I think that was the replay replay we spoke about a couple of times, maybe. Might, might have been, yeah. The first half was a determined affair. Every 50-50 ball contested. United had the uh, first chance after just two minutes. Morris Malpass swung a free kick up to David Dodds. He knocked it down in the path aiming Barron, who sent a shot that Bonner held comfortably. Second half started the same. United took the lead in the 54th minute. Eamon Bannon passed to Davy Dodds. He controlled the ball while holding off a challenge and slipped the ball to Stuart Beattie, who sneaked in between two settled defenders to score uh, the opener. We then went looking. We looked like we were in complete control until the 77th minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian McGinley awarded Celtic a foul 20 yards for goal and Davy Proven fired an impressive free kick in the top corner of the uh, for the equaliser. The goal completely changed the game. I know. Selig now in the attack. The match looked to be in for extra time, but with five minutes to go, uh, Roy Aitken charged down the right, swung over across for Frank McGarvey, and he headed home the winner. And it was uh, Hamden Heartache in 1985. Yeah. That was my first trip to Hamden. Uh, that was the first Scottish Cup final I was at, and obviously I've been at every one since. But uh, I can just remember, I think it was pissing down the rain that day, and then I can remember taking the lead with Stuart Beattie. And because I was only... Eight years old, I thought we're we're going to win this year. But my old man, he's he's fairly he's he's been there. He's seen it all. Like a lot of guys, he was like, mm, we'll just wait and see. And then obviously we will get beat. And uh, I can always remember the bus getting pelted with bottles when we were leaving Glasgow. After I was shitting myself in the back seat. Bloody Celtic fans! You're thinking to yourself, what if this is they've won. What would it be like if they got beat? I know, I know. So, no love for them. Uh, the Family Cup final was the label affixed to this cup final with brother Tommy leading his side into battle against brother Jim and watch what a match it turned out to be in 1991. If you don't know, let me take you through a little bit of it. It was 3-2 Motherwell and it was basically an all-out assault on their goal at this point. The pressure was intense and our cause looked lost until the last minute. Alan Main belted the ball upfield, it bounced once, beat everyone, and as the ball dropped on the edge of the box, Darren Jackson ran in at the head past the advance and Maxwell and into the empty net. We then almost won the match, just for full time. Uh, Morris Malpa's shot was off target uh, and it went to uh, extra time. And as extra time goes, you think, start well. Start as well as you can. Stevie Kirk headed home. With a back header. <laughs> Main was fouled. Damn it. Uh, do you know the first player booked in that game was in the 111th minute? And then we ended up with four red cards. 
Yes. Uh, in the frantic <laughs> effort to save the game, the dying minutes, Maxwell produced a great save to Ryan Morris Mal passed, then John Clark shot passed. And it, it may have been one of the most memorable cup finals, but it was a little consolation United players of all the Tandys, United fans that were there, because it was a sixth Scottish Cup defeat in 17 year. Yeah. One honour that did come our way was man of the match. Do you know who got man of the match that day? Bowman? Dave Bowman got man of the match. Dave Bowman, yeah. yeah. He scored. Yeah, and then obviously we uh, we got four players red carded after the match. Yeah. Name those players. Uh, Jim McAnally. John Clark. Yep. John Clark. Uh, Jim People are shouting at you right now. Freddie Vanderhoorn? Yes. Oh, right, okay. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the fourth. Darren Jackson. Darren Jackson. Uh, it was a, you know what it was it was uh, everybody says it from a neutral point of view it was the best final to watch but obviously we were far from neutral I was my uncle Billy took me through to that game I remember it very well is that uh, uncle Billy the TikTok revelation he uh, he is the the TikTok star of the family without a shadow of a doubt just because he goes for it basically not because he's particularly fantastic at dancing he just does it it's a good laugh but yeah it was uh, it was just I think it was the way it happened as well, because normally I think Alan Fisher touched on it or one of the guests touched on it in the past where we were getting beat in the cup final and then we score in the last minute or close to the last minute going into extra time. And you just, you've seen that movie. Like we always joke about it. Oh, we've seen this movie. Well, we've seen that movie. And usually the team that equalises goes on to win. But no one that team's done the United. But to this day, Ron, it still pisses me off that we didn't get a foul when Alan men was fouled. Uh, I just say I get it. Hamden heartache again. Yes. In nineteen ninety two we were in Canada for the Guinness Challenge Cup. And mm, Chelsea were, Chelsea were our next opponents. The venue was again the picturesque Swanguard Stadium. It was the most difficult match of the round robin tournament and uh Paul Sturrock was coaching the team and he found himself having to rely on a youthful combination of our starting 11, only John Clark was aged over 24 and we played against a virtually full-strength uh, Chelsea team. We found it tough going and Chelsea ended up winning the match 3-0 in the end. That was one of those Jim McLean end-of-season tours around the world. Yeah, after playing 60 games that season. Yeah. <laughs> right, final one. That's the game's done. Signed by Gordon Chisholm in 2005 for £225,000 to lead the charge of new season, new hope after fighting relegation until the last few minutes of the final game back in May of that year. He got off to the best start, goal on his debut against a team that he turned down to move to Tannadice. He scored against Aberdeen and although a regular in the lineup, he never quite settled and in August of 2006, his contract was cancelled to allow him to join Aberdeen at the third time of asking. 42 appearances, 8 goals, happy 37th birthday, you know who I'm talking about, who is it? Lee Miller. Lee Miller. <laughs> I'm not going to wish it happy birthday. It was rubbish for my team. It was a, a player that had looked like he had so much about him at the time because oh, yeah, I think, I he went to hearts on loan. Paid. And yeah, that's looked, right, and he'd done very well. And most people were happy when we signed him. Yeah. And he was garbage. Do you know who he signed with? Same day. Can't, I can't mind either. That was just a question of Lee Jen. 
I interviewed him. I was working in, I was on, uh, like doing sports journalism at the time, right? You, so you've I, slugged his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was horrific. But, <laughs> but I remember meeting him that day and thinking, boy, he's going to do it. Confident, confident, confident in his own ability as a striker, which, yeah. like Andy Gray said, Paul Stork said, you've got to be as a striker. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work. It just no. didn't work. No, he was piss poor. And I think what didn't help him was the fact that he was just, it seemed to me like he just wanted to win fouls all the time. And like he was quite a big a big lad, maybe not in weight, but certainly in height and stature, you know, and anybody would just graze against him and he would drop like a stin. And he wasn't even good at diving. It was just so blatant that he was trying to, it was simulation straight away. But uh, no, he was he was a wet fart or a signer. He really was. No, nobody signed the same day. I was getting a wee bit confused with uh, when, uh, was it Conway, Rob and Noel Hunt all signed the same day, possibly? Yeah, I think I might have been. Uh, but yeah, 225 grand. And, you know, that was Chisholm's first signing. So yeah. money was still getting thrown into the club. Eddie. What's meant? It's 15 years ago, that. Yeah, good. <laughs> Wish it was 100 years ago and I'd never seen him. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's not getting a happy birthday wish for me. <sighs> Fair enough. But, but uh, before we go, Ron, uh, we were speaking before we hit record on this today and you got delivery of flag yesterday and I got one on Friday. Was it yesterday you got yours? Friday, I think. Uh, I got mine Friday too. Uh, it's part of the the display team that they're, they're raising money through punting these flags and it's basically the flag of the the one that was held up in the shed play for the badge on the front and we'll remember the name on the back these things are phenomenal like I was it was 20 quid to get it and I think it was uh, Dane Vanett that delivered it to my door so thank you very much for that Dane uh, it's t- took pride of place on my young lad's bedroom wall I had to start doing a couple of the topless pictures that he had pinned up already, but it's, it's fine. It's better. It's better. And I was touching on the, the issue of you here in a house in the fairy run. <laughs> I was touching on that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely not true, but thanks very much to uh, to United Mad for, uh, for, 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 for getting involved and speaking about the podcast, which... Correct. Thank you very is, much, guys. It's the most thing. You know, if, it's like we say, you know... As a, a podcast, we appreciate every single listener that we've got, you know, regularly. If you can bring new listeners to it, this is a time when, because of all the uncertainty is going on, you know, we've had for the past seven weeks, I think we've had guests on every week. I think Lee McCulloch basically kicked it off. But before that, we had Hamish Martin and Paul Smarnitsky were on. Then we had a week. It was just us two bums. Uh, and then since then, you know, Lee McCulloch, Tom Cairns, Andy McCarrum, Alan Fisher, Gordon Aitchison, Robbie Nielsen, Scott Ogren, Paul Sturrock, Steve Finnan, Alistair Heather, Andy Gray, the players of the day, you know, and we were, this was the week that we were going to be finishing the season, going to plan, winning the league, you know, big review show, all this stuff. Um, it's not panned out that way. And it's also not panned out that way for us. Uh, we are continuing on and, mm-hmm. until we know more about if there will be a season break before the league come back and we will maybe take a couple of weeks to just give you a break and whatever. But we are cracking on. Certainly we've got the next three or four weeks p- planned out and stuff. And, uh, you know, if people do 
want to get involved with it, you've got any ideas, anything like that, go on our social media, drop us a DM. You know, we're always interested. You know, if you 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 feel passionate about a certain manager, player, season, run of games, cup runs or whatever, get in touch. Absolutely get in touch. You know, right now, I mean, if we can put out an hour every single week, we'll be delighted. It's already over two hours this week again due to the players being on, but these are the things that we're we're trying to do and keep it going and, you know, might not listen to all in on a chunk. I know someone did say on one of the message boards that, oh, they thought the podcast was a little bit long and we get that on a regular, you know, maybe if we go over an hour when it's just us, yes, it's probably a bit long for what it is, but when we've got guests on, I think it's, you know, it's something we can cut the guests right down or we just leave it. We don't edit anything out of the chats with the guests. You know, there's everything's left in. The only thing editing out has been when the connection went down with Andy Gray. But other than that, they, they are as they are, you know, because we didn't want to be in time limits. We want it to go, and you know the Paul Dixon episode was massive, but people listened in chunks during what was life at that time, and hopefully it's something that helps you. If it's part of your soundtrack, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, till you get through it, we do appreciate it. Uh, and we just want to bring content that you want to listen to. But if there's anything, you know, we do get bombarded by a lot of names to get on, it's not that easy. Uh, if it's that easy, we would, we would have them on. If it's that easy, <laughs> if it's that easy, Dave Neri would be on, right? We'll just put on. it out there. It would be the Dave Neri podcast. It would be, right? That that's we'll hold our hands up to that. That that would be that's the one for Paul, and it's kind of for for me as well. I think that would be well cool. But look, if you want to get in touch, you want to chat about anything, do drop us a line, uh, send us a DM or whatever. And uh, thank you very much for continuing to listen given the circumstances, whether you're doing it out in your walk, like Paul listens to podcasts or you're in the house, like I just stick it on the house podcast when I'm in now, something that's interesting. But we, are, we aren't we are going anywhere, not just now. Certainly our next few weeks are well lined up. And as always, thank you very much for uh, for listening to, to this rabble on yeah, a weekly I basis. Can, I can only echo what you're saying, Ron. It's uh, anybody that listens, anybody that gets involved, it's always appreciated. And, you know, we, we are no endless we ideas so as you say if people have got anything they want to raise want to bring up want to speak about just get in touch with and that's like the best time to just say you know stay safe stay at home do what we need to do protect the NHS and, and be nice and be nice to each other be kind and uh, get out for that walk but you can do that a couple of times now you can you so can. you now can go out for your walk then you can walk past Anadice correct Sounds like a plan, shared rule. It's the top of your voice. <laughs>